All right, everybody, on this week's episode of Top 5, we're doing our favorite Black Sabbath songs without Ozzy Osbourne. Wait a second. I hate Sabbath. I'm not doing this damn episode. I'm getting the hell out of here. Ernie, take it away. Welcome to Top 5 with Joey Casada. Starring Joey Casada. Team Jesus, my friend. No! Am I walking around, Paul? Co-starring Ernie Palooza. And the doctor, Tommy Snyder. Goddamn. Now here's your host, Joey Casada. Top five without Joey Casada while he's on tour. Fuck him. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? What are we doing today? Why are we here? Uh, working on top five Sabbath songs, but... No Ozzy songs allowed. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a tough, uh, that's tough. You know, I mean, you got, you know, I was actually thinking about it when you were talking about doing something like this and I'm trying to come up with these type of songs. You got a lot of people, I think that, that listen, that no black Sabbath, they're all pretty much purists. And a lot of them kind of like said, screw these guys after Ozzy, you know, after Ozzy left, kicked out, whatever the, story is <laughs> hey, I'm so glad you point that you, you you brought that up because for years i wouldn't listen to sabbath without ozzy i i it was considered disrespectful somehow to ozzy <laughs> i i don't i don't disagree i'm more of a purist i was kind of like you know you do have bands that are out there that have been influential in the music business that you know when you lose a key member uh regardless of you know like for argument's sake if tony you know tony iomi's writing most of the music and creating the the black sabbath dark sound you know you lose like a key vocal sign or like a, a, a musician you people tend to shy away from it i mean i can think of probably three bands right now that lost singers that i thought put out some really great music one, Judas Priest. I think stuff that, that was on Jugulator was fantastic with Tim Ripper Owens. Um, I think uh, I think some of the stuff that Anthrax did after Joey Belladonna left, I thought was killer, killer stuff on Sound the White Noise. And I mean, people love them or hate them. Uh, Iron Maiden. I mean, you got three bands that had, you know, that had a key sound, you know, and then just, you know, and, and took that sound to another level. I believe that from a musician standpoint, if you still have ideas, why not continue to do it? You know, why stop, you know? So this was kind of tough because I think, you know, I think there's some killer music out there that Black Sabbath put together without Ozzy. And uh, I think it, it's great. And it, it kind of took the band into a different direction, you know, and, Fuck it, let's kick it in. <laughs> no, I can think of two other groups, uh, maybe not as big as the bands you mentioned, yeah. that lost their singers and um, kept going. Um, ACDC and Van Halen. Another perfect example, you know, the purist out there. David Lee Roth left and, you know, everybody thinks that anything past that is, is complete garbage. I think 
some of Van Halen's greatest music was with 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 Sammy Hagar. I would, and, and again, it's it's all about a preference and what you think. You know what people think. I mean, ACDC, another perfect example. But did, but picture bands, picture bands during that era that at that time laughed, moved on, and then uh, had a different singer. And what would they sound like today? Queen. <laughs> you know, could you imagine Queen? We've heard Queen without Freddie Mercury, and we saw we know how that sounds. Yeah. Uh, but think about it. Queen is a, is a perfect example. It's an iconic staple. He's a major songwriter. You, bands like that just can't go on without certain key key members of a band. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, in this particular scenario, Ozzy's written some killer stuff with during this era as. Uh, as Black Sabbath became as iconic as they did and as influential in this industry, you know, and it's, it's hard. People just don't like change. So, you know, um, whatchamacallit, what we were just talking about was the whole uh, disrespectful to Ozzy thing. I just to throw a conspiracy out that I just thought of what, because I didn't make this up. I got this from the older kids in my neighborhood that you couldn't listen to Sabbath without Ozzy. What if this was a Sharon Osbourne trick of some sort? I mean, would you put it past her? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But you know, if you think about it, when you're looking at when you're looking at a lot of these bands that had key, like you said, key uh, musicians in that band, look what it brought to the musical. You know, look what it brought to music. Because, like I said, take away singers for a second. Take away like. You take away iconic bands like Metallica, you know, back when they started, you know, uh, Dave Mustaine to this day is always arguing about, uh, you know, not being a part of their success. But look what he brought to music and other things that people, you know, if it wasn't for Metallica kicking out Dave Mustaine, we would not have had Megadeth. We wouldn't have had great music that came from these bands. Same thing with Kiss, you know, Joey would love that. You know, you get these musicians that look, Ace Frehley left, you know what I'm saying? Ace Frehley wrote some really great music. Maybe the popularity wasn't there, but there was some real great music and we wouldn't have had it, you know? That's what you gotta think about. People gotta, don't, don't seem to understand that you can't be closed-minded when it comes to this. Hold on, I just gotta keep putting my notes up because <laughs> this is hard, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, I, I looked at it that way. I mean, even like I said, Priest with, with, with Rob Halford leaving, you know, Judas Priest kicked out, whatever. He wrote some good killer stuff when, and Fight, when Fight came out. I thought there was some good stuff. Wasn't as popular as Judas Priest. People look at Rob Halford and you say, Judas Priest. Well, you know what? He wrote, you know, he helped contribute and write some really some good music, you know? And, and we wouldn't have had that if things like this don't happen. Fans evolve, musicians evolve, you know? I mean, it, it goes the same thing. Playground, look how that evolved. I think the only one that made it was Joey while well, he's on tour and we're doing this. <laughs> Will Playground ever get a new singer? <laughs> or, you know, I look at it too, you know, so like you said, sometimes- Or any singer? Well, <laughs> poor Snyder. <clears throat> I wish we'd done this more at night so I wouldn't be just drinking coffee. Yeah, but uh, no, no, but you know what? When you, sometimes a band has a chemistry and sometimes the chemistry is gone when you lose a particular musician. You know what I'm saying? So it's like like playground. You got Tommy that 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 
he to me is playground you know his his vocal style his his writing capabilities and what we did back in those days i don't think we it wouldn't have been the same bands won't be the same they don't let the longevity wouldn't have been there and stuff like that i mean when i was there and i was not in the band the band moved on i was a piece of the puzzle but it, it, I would like I couldn't do playground without Joey. I couldn't do playground without Steve. You know, I couldn't really do it without Brendan. But you know, if yeah, he wouldn't be able to you know do this. You know, because he's further away from us. You know, I think we could still you know put something together. But I would you know you always want to see the bands be where it was in its purest form. You know, I mean, Led Zeppelin. Could you imagine Led Zeppelin with with another singer? but robin plan wrote some good stuff you know i mean jimmy page compiled stuff with david coverdale and put i thought some real good music out there which you would not have had god rest you know god rest uh you know what do you call it soul but you know sometimes bands have to say you know what without all of us together as a unit how could you even do this so it's difficult you know so I look at it this way. I look at it this way. I'm actually kind of excited to see Joey playing again with ZO2 and and uh, Mark Mendoza filling in. I think it's I think that's great. It's killer. But then again, I'm a purist, you know, when it comes to to that band. I I to me ZO2 was always, you know, the Z brothers and Joey. <laughs> You know, I don't know if Tommy remembers um, this. I just, it just hit me. Even before Playground was put together, when Tommy was talking about making a band, he told me his, uh, his uh, imagination was uh, Van Halen if Billy Joel joined <laughs> as a singer. As a singer of I, band. I, I, but see, that's what I'm trying to say. The, the, when, you take, when, you, when you took the old band, I mean, the old band was, we had so many different influences and we put it together and put something together that I thought, that I thought personally was unique. Uh, it, I think it could have had longevity if, if we pushed it a little bit further, but unfortunately things happen for a reason. Like my mother always says, things happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, and, and, people moved on and did other things maybe not music you know steve went out and you know was working for a while and put together this acoustic type thing which i thought i've never seen his talent that way you know you know i never knew he knew how to sing i mean this guy's got a he's got a great voice and he could still write music you know joey you know joey's joey you know i mean he's his mentality and attitude you know in this industry he never gave it up didn't care what it was kept doing it perfected himself and to me i still think he's probably one of the best drummers in the business you know and i'm not just saying it because i've played with him and and i personally know him he's just he's just that good you know i mean you you can i can compare him to a uh to to a portnoy you know what i'm saying or a neil pert there's nothing he can't do and that's why he's still playing today, endorsed and doing these videos. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to give you that because you're a musician. I'm not a musician, so I really don't hear what a musician hears. No, and, you know, like I said, we had, I thought, like I said, Playground had a chemistry. You know, I think without all of us together, you know, when I first started, you know, Brendan wasn't in the band. He was, but then, you know, he left and I never knew him at the time. So... 
me sounding a little biased there. I mean, I can play with Steve, Joey, and, and Tom and, and go out and do this again if, if they wanted to really do this. You know, I mean, I started looking into doing it. You know, hopefully we'll, you know, you want they want to do this anniversary thing. And I'm for it. You know, I mean, I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just sit here and play with yourself or you can go out and, you know, you can go out and have some fun. And, you know, maybe something, excuse me, maybe something comes out of it. I know we're old now, but it is what it is. <laughs> Worst case scenario, period, is you have a good time and that's it. <laughs> and that's the worst thing that can happen. But that's how, that's how yeah. I always looked at it. I, you know, all these bands are playing. You're looking to have a good time. I mean, you got some of these bands today that are so into the industry and trying to make it work. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to make the industry work anymore because I don't know how it works. Because, you know, I can, we could come up with a band, put it on Spotify, put our own albums out digitally and, and, and do it ourselves. I mean, it wasn't like that years ago. I mean, it's it's just insane. I mean, I'm still a purist behind me. I still got CDs and DVDs behind me and stuff. I still, I'm old school. I love to sit down to an album and look at the lyrics and follow along. And it, you know, it, there's nothing like it. I don't want to go and say, hey, Echo, uh, play uh, the best of White Snake and stuff. It, it's nice, but you kind of take away from the, the whole fun of what music was all about, you know, the collections of collecting. I mean, I got a 10,000 digital stuff that I, I got obscure CDs and albums that you can't even get anymore from the 80s era and probably the 70s era. I'm a collector. I enjoy it. It's what it is. It's all good. <laughs> it makes all during a lot more fun, too. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, it, it, and, and it's like you said, when you're doing, you know, when you want to play, you know, and you want, and you want to do like different things and stuff like that, it's just, it, it, it's such a different, you know, you know, I'm 52 years old, you know, I was in playground, I was in my mid, mid twenties, you know what I'm saying? So it's like so much had happened. And if we had what you have now, we probably could have done this ourselves. You know, you had, you had like the business side of the band, right? You had Brendan who was more business ethics, you know, and he was trying to push it from a, a business standpoint. Um, I think like, to me, Joey kind of was like keeping it together. And then you had, you know, and then, you know, like Steve, Steve and Brendan were kind of the main songwriters along with Tommy. So again, without the two or at least three of us, you know, it you know you wouldn't have had playground and the beautiful thing about playground was for my own personal life was i moved on i played in different bands i learned to be a better musician i learned to to not, you know uh take what what i've learned from playground and try to escalate it and do some of the things that i shouldn't have done <laughs> you know what i mean and you know unfortunately we we came close at times but we never really made it and sometimes you just got to say you know what i'm a music fan i love music i you know i could just sit back jam play in my basement you know and wednesday nights i jam with some friends of mine at my yacht club and we just look at a screen on a on a tv with six of us i got a saxophone player three acoustic guitars i'm playing bass and we're playing some fun 70s stuff allman brothers and keeps the chops up you know it just make, you know as long as i'm playing it's it's fun you know and then if this playground thing takes off great if not you know hey it is what it is <laughs> and one thing i've learned at uh, the age that we've gotten we can't underestimate the value of just having a good time it doesn't happen that often anymore at our age <laughs> just like poison said it nothing but a good time and i i totally agree with it you know but 
you know, I I would hey look if I was able to do it again it would be great but unfortunately I don't have the look I don't have the you know I don't have the the push anymore because everybody's got bills to pay and people have to work and we can't get everybody together Tommy's out of state Brandon's out of state Joey's out of state if you think about it. I think we're all in all different states. <laughs> and, and the damn children get in the way. Yeah, well, that's fortunate. Unfortunately, not, not, I wouldn't say unfortunately. Fortunately for myself, me and my wife, we never had kids. We didn't want it. We were both only children. And, you know, I wouldn't have half of the stuff that I have now because we kind of do what we didn't have the opportunity to do when we were kids. So it just didn't play out, you know, and it is what it is. And not that we don't, no regrets there. I got it extras if you want to borrow <laughs> oh, oh well that's the beautiful thing about friends and family with kids because it's almost like rent the kid you have them for a couple hours and then you send them back because i don't have to deal with all that bullshit <laughs> but anyway. the, the, the bs is always three in the morning <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> exactly so what do we got here buddy i got a call i got a list here man i mean it, this was this is tough <laughs> I um I actually um and this is not a rule, uh, but right. I kind of relegated myself to one song per album, um not something we had to do, <clears> okay. had to do but it just made it my choices a little bit more personal for me and, and made it a little bit easier. Okay, that's uh, no, that's that's great. I kind of looked at I kind of looked at each. I wanted to look at each era. Uh, to me, every time Black Sabbath had changed uh, singers, I like to look at each era and kind of like you know. What were the what what were the pros and cons of this? And you know, if, if we had to pick, like you know, who was your favorite? Who was your favorite? Uh, you know, singer for Black Sabbath after Ozzy left. You know, it's like it was always the iconic Dio when I have always looked at it from a personal perspective because right before his right 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 it was before the, his solo career. You know, he was in Rainbow. You know, and Deep Purple, another, you know, uh, new, what they, what do they call the new wave of British heavy metal iconic band that was so influential with Richie Blackmore, another band that moved on without, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you have Deep Purple without Richie Blackmore? You do it. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> I forgot about Deep Purple. You're right. <laughs> you know, so you think about it, you know, so now you got it. And when you look, when, when I looked at like, when I looked at like the, um, the Black Sabbath years with with uh, uh, with Dio, you can hear how the band, how Black Sabbath progressed as a band and their songwriting. You know, they were very, you know, I looked at Black Sabbath as being in the beginning, very simple, you know, keep it, keep, you know, come up with an iconic riff and let it grab you, you know, and 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 see where it goes with it you know slow fast you know they had so many different types of uh, uh of style you know that that tony iomi had and being limited what is you know i thought was what is iconic sound and stuff and how we progressed over the years i think black sabbath from musicians had gotten better and even maybe the songwriting i know tommy's going to shoot me with that one but <laughs> There's some real killer stuff that they wrote without Ozzy. So, I mean, you know, don't be biased. Don't, you can't be biased on it, you know? And if it wasn't Ozzy leaving Sabbath or kicked out of Sabbath, you know, edit it, edit it so I have that right. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have some of iconic music with Ozzy's solo stuff, you know? I mean, he, 
he had collaborated such great music that he would not have done with Black Sabbath. Definitely not. And opened up the door for these iconic musicians that became the Eddie Van Halen era. Let me, let me ask you a question. And this is only something I just noticed just this instant. So it's, it's going to be a strange one. When a group moves on with a new singer and they release you know, another discography of stuff, is the best album with a new singer always the very first one? Uh, I'm going to say probably it, it can be it's a it, it, it depends it's a yes and no because sometimes a band goes into a change <clears throat> and they they have to kind of feel the um, what's the word that I'm looking for you, you have to I look at it in the sense that you have to feel comfortable with each other you're going you're 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 totally different now you're not the same band uh Sometimes it takes a band, sometimes it takes any band, whether you're changing a singer or having the, or just when you're changing members in a band, sometimes it takes that second album to really feel comfortable and really feel good about what you're writing. And, you know, like I said, I can name a couple of bands that have done that, that I thought their first albums were iconic, but they really put their shit together on their second album because they've established a unit. I'm going to say Metallica, kill them all, killer album. But when they got Cliff Burton and Kirk Hammond into the band, Ride the Lightning was to me their first album together as the Metallica of, of I would have said at the time, as of today, not because, you know, Cliff Burton died and they went through changes of musicians. However, that was the band, you know, kill them all. You got Kirk Hammond playing Dave Mustaine riffs. You got Cliff Burton rewriting, trying to rewrite riffs already that Ron Montgomery did. So that's, you know, I like, I think some bands have to put together in the Black Sabbath era. I would have to say, yes, that first album that was, that was put together with a new singer, I thought was friggin' killer. Well, I was thinking not just Sabbath, but with Van Halen's first album with a new singer, ACDC's new album with a uh, first album with a new singer. But uh, but you're right with the Metallica thing. As as I get older, I seem to to move away from Kill 'Em All. I know, yeah. I know we're both in the minority here. I know Kill 'Em All is loved. It's but great. It's not, it's not one of my favorites. It's a great album, but again, you know, being, yeah, but being like being a huge fan, like being a huge Metallica fan that I was growing up with them. Kill 'em All is probably maybe my in my top five, but it it it's still it's it's a great album, but it's not you know it's not the Metallica of what we knew. You know, it's like bring it's like bringing members into the band to learn somebody else's songs. It was you such know? a bump to Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning is in my eyes so much better than Kill 'em All. Correct. I you know, I, 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 and like I said, when you said that, like when you said um. I mean, you take a band like Van Halen, it's like, how do you, you know, like 1984 was so iconic and it was so heavily commercial. I would say commercialized because of how they changed their direction, but kept what Van Halen was about. That's what I loved about Van Halen. Every album to me always sounded different. And I think every band should show their create their creativity. And you've got fans that blast bands for doing this you know could van in sometimes i would say in my mind yeah maybe with van halen i i maybe would have seen you know what 
Eddie go on his own, do his own thing. You know, I think he would have put some killer stuff out there without in the purest fans tarnishing the Van Halen name. You know, even though it was his name. Oh, you, I, I thought 5150 had some good stuff on it. I thought AU812 had some good stuff on it. I thought for Uncarnal Knowledge was freaking killer. And a lot of people don't like that album. I thought there was some great music that was written in there. Real heavy stuff and kind of brought, and if you listen to it closely, if what's his name was on this, he would probably, what do you call it? He would, he would say, I agree. They brought a lot of the old Van Halen feel back into that album. And I don't understand why people didn't like it. I thought it was great. <laughs> well, for me, the, uh, the, my favorite Hagar album has got to be uh, 5150. 5150, I thought it was great. But, you know, I, you know, when you look at it, it was from, from, from a fan's perspective, it's a shock. You know, you're, you're going from 1984 into they continued that keyboard-esque, you know, trying to get a little bit more commercialized, more radio friendly, but with a new singer. And it wasn't just a nobody. This was an iconic singer, solo player that's been around for years. And now you're taking that and bringing it into probably one of the most iconic, probably hard rock and roll bands of all time. You know, and, you know, it, it, it's, almost, you know, how do you, how do you do it? You know, Joey, like, how do you have Kiss without Peter Chris? How do you have, how do you have Kiss without Ace Frehley? But Kiss wrote some killer music, you know, col with, with, collaborated with other, you know, with other musicians that put together some really killer stuff that, they couldn't do with Peter Chris or Ace Frehley. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Creatures of the Night, the most underrated album for in Kiss's catalog, I thought was probably one of their heaviest comeback album ever. You know what I'm saying? And you put together Vinnie Vincent, who did some really killer songwriting on it with Ace Frehley's face on the cover just to make it, just to make sales for the album. Kiss Creatures of the Night is probably one of my top five Kiss albums of all time. For, for the eight, for the 80s stuff, uh, it's the number one best uh, Kiss album. I thought it was up there too, but Creatures yeah, of the Night. Come on, I mean, look, everybody that was into Bon Jovi and, and all these 80s, I, I call them hair metal bands only because that's what, I, what do you classify them as? You know, hard rock, hard rock, commercial rock bands of the 80s. Kiss put out some real killer rock and roll lick it up killer album animalize a lot of purists don't really care for the album because they feel kiss wasn't involved and it was all it was paul stanley's solo out but there's some killer stuff on there asylum i thought was a great album production was killer you know yes kiss you you know kiss with the makeup and peter chris and ace Frehley and the demon and whatever you, you can't take away from some of the music they put together without these guys, you know? Would it have been great to see Kiss retire with their original four members? Of course. But the music that they were writing, you Peter Chris could not handle that stuff. The double bass, come on. Double bass, baby. Peter Chris is not a double bass player, come on. <laughs> but anyway, you know.
here I go, going on that tangent again. <laughs> without, without Joey, we, we, we spent half an hour on Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what it is? You look at it in a, two, you look at it in, in a different limelight, right? Joey hates Black Sabbath. He hates everything that has to do with Black Sabbath. And that's okay. There are many people out there that don't like Black Sabbath, but, but there are many bands out there that I don't particularly like because maybe their music is not, doesn't grab me. It doesn't do anything for me, but I, but I do respect musicianship. I do respect that musicianship and, and what that bands or any bands bring to music and, and, and it's fans and to musicians, you know, you I, you know, I'm like, again, I'm not a professional musician anymore, but I, I try to do it. And when, as I've gotten, as we've all gotten older, our, our musical horizons had opened up. Everybody wasn't focused. You know, you, if you're like a, a metallic, if you were like the big four fan, Metallica, Anthrax, and you wanted to listen to like Motley Crue, no, you're a poser. No, you get your ass kicked. If, you know, if you, if you listen to that. No, I've learned as from a musician standpoint, playing even playing with Playground, I've gotten into bands from a musician's standpoint so I can learn my instrument. You can't learn everything from listening to thrash metal. So I started listening to Dokken and, and, and getting it. And, and I started really gravitating to that style of music and why I enjoyed playing with Playground. Coming from a thrash band, a guitar player, you know, wanting to be James Hetfield to playing, you know, commercial, hard, just rock and roll. And it's not a, you know, you got to feel good with what you're playing. And you, you, can't, you can't be closed-minded when it comes to music, you know. If it wasn't for Black Sabbath, I probably wouldn't have wanted to pick up an instrument. Or same thing with Kiss. Kiss was the band, you know. It was all the the fire and the theatrics and the the the... the I called it the comic era, you know, comic books type era, you know, they, they brought it to life, you know, and, you know, and, and, and if it wasn't for that, they probably would never have made it. And I'm being honest with you, I used from a music standpoint, I thought they wrote some really great music back in the 70s, and they've contributed a lot. But if it wasn't for that theatrics, they wouldn't have been as big as they were. You know, and that, that's the God's honest truth. I mean, you take a band like Kiss, you know, well, we've opened up for Blue Oyster Cult and then then Blue Oyster Cult opened up for us. And it's like, yeah, because if it wasn't for the theatrics of you bringing fans in, you wouldn't have been that big. Because Blue Oyster Cult, from a musician standpoint, shit's all over Kiss. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Joey's going to shoot me for that one, but that's okay. But it's I, true. If you, pr if you pressed Casada on it, I bet you he would say he doesn't hate Sabbath, but he does hate Ozzy. I think that's really. I, you know, I mean, look, Black Sabbath was something that was new and different. It was very, uh, you know, again, it's one of those bands that you either love them or you hate them. You, there's no in between. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like people will turn around and say, OK, when I look at Black Sabbath, or any of these iconic bands, I like to look at the deep cuts because everybody knows you're paranoid, you're war pigs and, you know, and you're Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. I mean, yes, they're great songs and they, they became that popular because they were great songs. But look at these other ones that are overlooked, you know, and over the years that they put together, again, on Ozzy errors, non-Ozzy errors, there are some, a lot of songs in there that are overlooked and 
you turn around to anybody in that listens to music that maybe only knows Ozzy era, play these songs and say, I would never listen to Black Sabbath, only with Ozzy. I'll put a song on that would sound like, you know, something that doesn't even sound like Sabbath. What do you think of this riff? Does it grab you? Yeah, this is a great song. Yeah, well, it's Sabbath. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I know it's what Sabbath. you mean. That's well, no, you look at it. You know, I look at a lot of, you know, like you said, bands need to evolve. Bands need to, uh, to, to be able to show their creativity. You know, I, I'm another perfect, they're a local. They're, they're not really local. They're personal friends of mine. Life of Agony. Life of Agony put out an album, put out an album called River Runs Red back in the late, I guess, 89, right? 89, 90, I think it was. Killer freaking killer fucking album. I know these are guys I grew up with that when I when they first started, I would never think in a million years listening to their demos that they would become as iconic as they have. And as they started, as they as they as they started going through, they 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 became they they found their niche. You know, they became more of, of a they became more of a of a rock band you know uh, you know they kind of got a little bit away from their hardcore punk sounding you know sound um and and became they they developed their own style and you know a lot of fans you know turner that you know a lot of fans says ah they they haven't done anything better since river runs red <laughs> listen to their later albums man these guys grew as musicians. They play better. They write better. They sound better. Their production is better. And, and, and that's the problem. People are just closed-minded and you just can't, you know, you know, you can't be closed-minded when it comes to music. You got to let Metallica, another perfect example, Load Error. Let me tell you something. I'm a purist. However, there's some killer stuff on these two out on those two albums. There's some killer music on there. Take out the Metallicers are thrash gods. Oh, you know, I, I can only live with Damage Incorporated and Master of Puppets. And why? Because the band decided to grow as musicians and they write good. It's good friggin' music. Good music, man. There is one great album if you take the best of Load and Reload and mix it into one album. There's, there's a pretty good album there. Yeah, I actually compiled one. It's on my phone. I call it Loaded. <laughs> I call it loaded and I combined, I made a cover for it. And I took my favorite songs from the two albums. And, you know, if I think if that album probably would have had the production of the black album, they say that that album was very well produced. I thought that album, they lost that Metallica guitar tone, you know, that true heavy, you know, when you listen to like, uh, Ozzy Osbourne with Zach Wilde, you know, that Zach, man, he's got that heavy riff that, that in your face, that in your face rip. I thought they, I think if they would have had the tone of the Black album with these type of songs, I think the album would have been perceived a little bit better from a, a heavy metal standpoint, while still playing some of these slower country-esque type songs. You know what? They didn't give a fuck. And you know what? Go online and try to find the vinyl for Load or Reload always out of stock can huh. never get it can never get them i want to get them i want i'm waiting for them to put out the box set because i'm curious of how they collaborated this out the how did you come up with this this idea of kind of 
going from one direction to the next. They grow as musicians, you know, whatever. It is what it is. People love them. Let me tell you something. There are millions of fans out there that think the Load and Reload era are, are their, was their finest hour. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> think about it. If they didn't change in the eight, in the nineties, they wouldn't have been here. Why try to why to try why try to recreate something that you already had? You can't. Pantera in the nineties already became the iconic new heavy metal band of that era to kind of take thrash and groove and maybe a little grunge and make what. It's already been done. Metallica's not going to try to copy that. Metallica never did that. So they came up with another idea. And if you listen to Load and Reload, it's very Black Sabbath. Well, <laughs> I was, I was going to point out something about... Uh, I'll do that too when we go through, if we get to these top fives. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a Sabbath song with Ozzy from 2013. Uh, it was a single called God is Dead. The second part of the song sounds like Metallica's Reload, uh, yes. Load album. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the riff. The riffing is all Metallica Load. What you heard, what you heard on those on, in that era was Black Sabbath. You heard Aerosmith. You heard Thin Lizzy. Uh, you heard um, uh, what, what was the other bit? Maybe a little Motorhead. You got a little Motorhead in there, I think. You know, it's not heavy, but. You got a little bit of a little punk influence in, in some of the tunes, even though the songs were slower. Um, and then you got, and then you had some of their 80s sound from Justice, like in Until It Sleeps, you know, the chords. It was a little more, those chords that they're using in there were very Queensryche and stuff during the, the main verse, uh, uh, you know, in, the, in the, the bridge area verse going into the chorus. Those invert, you know, like I used to call them the inverted power chords and stuff like that. That was all, this was stuff that they did back in, you know, in their garage era days. They took their influences and did something a little bit different. That's how I perceived that era. Yes, when I first heard it, I couldn't, I, it took me a while. Look, when you're, when you're in a band, if, you, if it takes you years before you get into the album, sometimes I would just say it's not really worth it. But because the band was so iconic and such a big influence on me, I try to find every way possible to, how can I like this album? How can you like it? You know, and it, you know, like uh, St. Anger, that could have been a great album if it was produced properly. I've heard bands all over YouTube recreate that album with a great production and crunch down. Those songs, that album would have been a great comeback album. But no, they just, they don't give a shit. They do what they want. They don't care how the fans perceive it. And I, I tip my hat to them. They're going to sell, you know, like any other band, they're going to sell. They could put out Mary Had a Little Lamb and they're going to sell. They're going to sell. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Not going to argue about Metallica. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, but again, it, it, it kind of segues into what we're doing. I mean, Black Sabbath, if it wasn't a Black Sabbath, they starting the new wave of British heavy metal, you wouldn't have had Priest. You would not have had, you may have had Priest because of Deep Purple, but it would, and, and Led Zeppelin, but it would have been a different, it would have been different. You wouldn't have had Motorhead. If it wasn't for Motorhead, you wouldn't have had thrash metal. You wouldn't have had thrash metal. Absolutely. So, so 
let's, what do you want to do? What do you think here? We think we should give this thing a shot, start it up. Okay. Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's funny if you actually pick one of mine. <laughs> I, I don't think this is going to be one of yours. I okay. Think, <laughs> I think um, it's just going to be one of nobody's. Uh, if I'm born again, uh, the last song on the album, Keep It Warm. You know, that, you know, it's, you know, that it, it is a good song because I, I, I really feel, I love Born Again. I think that album is killer. And, and for, for so many reasons. And believe it or not, I have two songs from, I actually have two, I could probably, now nah, I could probably have three from that to, to, I could probably do the whole top five off this album. <laughs> <clears throat> No, it's a great, it's, 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 it's great. And what makes it, what, what is one of the things that make that album great is Ian Gillen. I mean, the guy is just magical with vocals, especially coming from a Dio era. Yep. You, you, you can't go backwards anymore. You, if anything, you got to progress. And I think, I think Born Again is great. I think it's a great pick. I was thinking of something like that. I try to be obscure my number five I'm going to pick is going to be what it, 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 it's a staple from that album <laughs> and zero the hero. Uh, that song is just crushing slow, but I can picture P I, just picture. Hopefully Joey will put the, will put the tune in there. <laughs> That it, it it that you know I know it's the, probably the most commercial off the album. It's the most publicized from a video standpoint, and 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 from probably a, a a heavy metal radio station standpoint. But that song is just especially oh what, what the hell's the name of the song before it? It's the intro. It's the instrumental. Uh, the dark. The darkness. Uh, 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 that kind of goes into it. And what makes that also that song great, it's traditional Black Sabbath. I can actually hear Ozzy sing it. But with Ian Gillen's strong, that, that strong voice, I think that's that's killer. I mean, it's it's hard, you know. Like it's like we said, there's albums that this band put together that is freaking killer, killer stuff. If people just have an open mind. <laughs> so I'll follow up about Zero to Hero. Um, have you ever heard, uh, I hope, I'm assuming this is not another choice, uh, Buried, right. Buried Alive from Dehumanizer? Oh, uh, wait, hold on a second. I I'm trying to see it because I did pick something from Dehuman Dehumanizer. Because uh, Buried Alive is the, the same riff as Zero to Hero. Like, Tony actually copied himself, it sounds like to me. But, you know, but again, but that's so, you know, you can have a similarity rip yeah. but that's you think about it that is the iconic sabbath riff the sound slow it doesn't no speed it's just just crushing riff and with the vocals which basically he's kind of streamlining the the whole main riff he's like kind of like pitching it like you could pitch a mosh pit on the on on that song because it's so uh you know and then it has that deep purple feel what's it gonna be what's it gonna be brother zero that is a deep purple riff you're taking two great bands put them together man 
that's awesome no that's a great that's great man see the riff to zero to hero where it like dun dun dun, dun, dun it, like it doesn't have a stop and a next i hear a lot of the beginning of grunge right there to me as well see but the, see that's the thing too i mean i know the grunge era was like you know everybody talks about the grunge era how it destroyed rock and roll but what what, what it did is is basically kind of go back to its roots i mean Bands like Nirvana say, I'm not a Nirvana fan. I, I really never was. And look, do I respect them? Absolutely, I respect them. Uh, as, as, as a band and musicians and what they brought to music because so many people loved them. And, and a lot of bands in that era were influenced by them in the 2000s, you know? But you take, band, you take, you take the old, let's take the glam era that had that punk feel right you take that punk feel with that little bit of heaviness you got nirvana you know i mean another band one of my favorites of the 90s i thought were such great musicians alice in chains you wouldn't have had that dark doom heavy heavy riff with those those great freaking vocals if it wasn't for sabbath we did they got it from kiss no they got it from sabbath man sabbath Sabbath was pure heavy metal. Pure heavy metal. Before before there was any before yep. it was there. I mean, you had heavy bands. I mean, like you know, you had. Uh, I considered like Sabbath the more heavy metal. It started. I thought started that real heavy metal sound. When you go back to Deep Purple, Deep Purple, like I said, I thought was more of the beginning starts of progressive metal, like bands like. Rush and uh, Dream Theater. I mean, would you have had that if it wasn't for like, those are the two big iconic bands of all time. We should do a Deep Purple one because there's some good stuff with that too. <laughs> Between Gillen and Coverdale and, 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 and now you got, what's his name, playing guitar for them, writing some killer stuff. Steve Morse. I mean, come on, man. Bands, I mean, I like, you know, you want to move on, but some of these older bands, man, really know how to still put it together come on oh hell yeah <laughs> i mean shit you you would think that you would think that joey would like a little bit of of a black sabbath during the era when eric singer was playing drums <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on <laughs> sabbath is not really a a party group or a fun group Correct. It was always in your face, straight in your face, metal, heavy. I, I don't even know if he, you know, did we did we did we call it heavy metal back then? I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, well, then again, we had this before in another top five when we turned around and said that what do we think the first, what was the first probably heavy metal song that was ever written? Didn't we say we think it might have been the Beatles? The Helter Skelter, yeah. The Helter Skelter, which that riff kind of could have could have started punk. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, you go you go back to the influences and stuff like that. But uh, now, Born Again, killer album. I have another song, but I can I can let's say I think I have enough here. I mean, I the other one that I would have picked as a follow up from this album because I kind of wanted to do one 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 from the from those albums. Um, Digital bitch. That's so weird you mentioned that one because oh had, shit oh you know what you know what let me take that back let's cut hey, when we edit it let me let's edit that out if this was another one of your picks then I don't no, want to I, I only chose one song from each album anyway oh, okay 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 so okay so so we could keep talking about this album because I have no more choices from this album anyway 
Okay. No, that, that yeah, neither do I. What I liked about what, what I liked about Digital Bitch again, it was very deep purplesque, and you know the chorus had a very Euro punk feel to it, where punk was becoming so was becoming the new big thing. When you had what do we have to, from there, we had the Sex Pistols, we had the Clash. Um, with, with, with London Calling, which is such a great freaking album. Another underrated band, Clash. I wouldn't say underrated. I'm talking about kids today. Unless you really want to go back in time, Clash was just freaking great. Freaking awesome. Freaking awesome music, you know? The thing about uh, Digital Bitch, though, is, um, is the bridge. Is the yeah, oh. Oh, that's the best part of the song for me. Actually, that would be great if Joey would like put that part in there with you doing that. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, I, I said it was funny that you chose that song because I have I would have chose two other songs from Born Again, and neither of them happened to be Zero the Hero or Digital Pitch. <laughs> so, so I guess we both love this album. No, so, no, this is you know, <laughs> This is actually kind of one of my top, you know, like I said, Sabbath. I mean, you know, I'm always going to go back to the Ozzy era because I'm, I, 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 I'm a purist. So, but that, that album was such, you know, holy When I first heard it, I'm like, what the hell is this? This is insane. You would not think that it would be this iconic and good, but it is. But uh, I would have disturbing the priest, for example. Oh. I think the whole album is just it, it, the whole album alone is just freaking really good. Be open minded. Anybody out there that's listening to this and you're a purist in the Aziar, even some of you new kids out here that might be listening to music, listen to Born Again. Killer fucking album. Killer fucking album. You right. know, trash, there's a true story, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Right. So, wait. Yeah. so hold on a second. So, are, we, are you keeping notes here? No, but we didn't get anywhere, so I could start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I pick zero, zero, the hero, right? I'll, and... You keep your own, I'll keep my own. Okay, good. Okay. All right, so let's try it. I guess, I guess we can go for uh, number four. Oh, one last thing I would say about Born Again, though, we're trashed. The, um, it's um, oh. Ian Gillen was driving, I think, um, Bill Ward's car. And that's what and that's what the song is about. He, he crashed the, that car. Is that what he did? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, the, the the chorus from trashed the lyrically, when he's um when he's is saying God, it, it's a miracle. You you saved me, and then he <laughs> he promises God I won't get trashed again. Then he goes, Oh, can't you hear my lies? <laughs> it's it's so honest. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, that's it, man. It, it, it's it, I love I love it. It, it, it. Oh God, it's such a great, it's so awesome. So let's see, what do we got for? Uh, oh, oh, my number, my number four is going to be pretty pretty obscure. But go ahead, you go. All right, my number four is from an album that doesn't even say Black Sabbath on the cover, but it is a Black Sabbath album. Uh, the song is "Follow the Tears." I was just from, thinking of that one too. Did I? Oh, wait a minute. Oh no, no, no. I got, I got another one. Okay. From the W No from two thousand seven. To you know, a lot of the you know, I guess you know, in, in in my own, in all honesty, I wasn't a 
I would, I guess I kind of got away from them after a while in the, in the two thousands, a little bit. I, I, I wasn't spending as much time because there was so much new shit that I was listening to and I was going back to the older stuff again. So I, I in all honesty, I didn't really kind of follow them during that, that, that album. I try to get back into them with the, the one with, when Ozzy came back, I didn't like it. I didn't, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, I mean, it was good, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes you think to yourself, you know, 40 years and 40 years into the making, you know, maybe guys, you, you know, the magic is not really there anymore. But if you want to go out on tour and retire playing the old stuff, but you wanted to put an album out, that's great. But I didn't, I, I think the last one, didn't I, what was it, the end or the, what was it? The, I 13. 13. I, I didn't, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Sometimes these bands, they lose it. But yeah, but that song, that song, that that song is actually that's that's a really good song, but I kind of drifted away from them. That's why I said this was going to be a little bit of a tough top five, because I'm in I'm I'm kind of zoned, you know, between the you know the, I guess the early late eight late seventies early eighties into probably maybe getting into the nineties, and, uh, and stuff like that. But my number four, I happen to love. I just want to say I, I love the W No album. The yeah. Yeah. You know what? Now that you said it, I'm going to give that one. I want to give that one. I like to give that one a listen, you know, again and see if I can get myself back in back into it. It's 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 probably heavier than even the the uh, the big deal Sabbath albums. And it's so damn depressing lyrically. Well, so that's 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 what it is. Like everybody used to classify. How do you classify uh, Black Sabbath's music? Picture it slow moving mud going down the wall. <laughs> it's like sludge. That's great. That's that's really <laughs> that's how I would look at it. But I picked this song, and I think this song kind of opened up a lot of. It had a little bit of different genres in it. <laughs> song is called Neon Nights. Oh, of course, I know it. Yeah, <laughs> the first, first non-Aussie um, Sabbath song there is. <laughs> I liked, I'll tell you why I picked this one off this album, you know, something that was a little bit more, you know, I thought was a little bit more obscure than, you know, the traditional ones everybody would pick. If you listen to that tune, right, you can hear what became early Maiden before Bruce Dickinson joined. And because if you listen to the production on it, I liked it from a from a bass player standpoint, the bass is very pronounced, loud, and it also reminded me a lot of Motorhead. Huh. And that's where I got out of this out of this song. Uh, it, it's very. If you listen to Iron Maiden's first album in Killers, listen to the tracks. It's classic Black Sabbath. It's classic Black Sabbath. And, you know, Iron Maiden, Steve Harris does most of the songwriting, so everything is pronounced when it comes to bass because a lot of those tunes he writes with the bass and then the guitars come in and try to put it put it together and piece it into Iron Maiden's sound. That's why a lot, that's why if you think about it, Steve Harris, probably the most, and Iron Maiden, I know, I know Tommy doesn't like them. I know Joey doesn't like them, but it is probably one of the most influential heavy metal bands outside of Black Sabbath and probably Judas Priest, because Judas Priest has been around since the early 70s. And Black Sabbath, I thought, was a little heavier. However, 
Judas Priest had the iconic vocals, you know, it had the, where, where it, vocals went a, another level, you know, he took with the, what maybe Ian Gillen has done, or even with uh, Ronnie James Dio was done with Rainbow and took it to that operatic, you know, and, 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 and started putting the foundation together, which became progressive metal, you know, where, where bands were singers and, 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 and showed musicianship and that kind of stuff. So this one had a little bit more of a punk edge to it. Uh, which I thought, because what was big back in, in 1980? Punk in Europe, right? So Iron Maiden with uh, what's uh, Paul Diano, you know, his voice is, you, you look at him and fucking Bruce Dickinson, it's like night and day. But my favorite era, I mean, I love both eras of Maiden, but I really love the, if I had to pick my favorite album of all time for Maiden, I would have to say Killers. Killers is just a great, great heavy metal album. Mind you, the first album is great. Prowler was fucking in insane. You know, but I liked it because it was kind of like this band finally found where they were going. You know what I'm saying? With that era, they were getting a little bit more metal. It was a little heavier. I thought there was some speed in it, a little more speed where they were taking that punk era, but they never put that speed really. You never, they never had that blast beat really. You know what I'm saying? So Metallica had to come around and do that, you know, <clears throat> by bringing in the punk stuff. But Neon Knights, I thought was, that was probably, probably one of the most underrated songs from, uh, from that album. Wait, I just lost my notes. <laughs> when I think of Paul Diano and I, I also love him. I, I love him too. In, in some ways, there's more personality in his voice because he is not as operatic talented as Dickinson. There is a lot of personality. But lyrically, a lot of the songs, it's always a, a split personality thing going on where he's a, he's a killer, but he at the end, he wakes up suddenly, what I do? <laughs> I go like that. No, I mean, you know, it, but when you look at it, I mean, excuse me. When, when I first got into Iron Maiden, I mean, I was a late bloomer. I didn't get into it until like into the mid 80s. So my first album, my first time seeing them was on U68. <laughs> we were talking about doing like a U68 video. And the first one, first video I've ever seen was Run to the Hills. Right. And the first time I heard it, it was so you know, back then I was just kind of getting into, when did that album come out? 83, 82, 82. Yeah. I mean, I was 12 years old. I wasn't thinking of playing music at the time, you know? And when that song came out, it was so freaking fast because we used to listen to, what was the other thing on WNEW, Metal Shop was, uh, was, the, was the radio station that we would uh, listen to. When I got into junior high, that's when everybody started kind of, I started getting, finding where I was in music. You know, uh, I met people wearing the Kiss t-shirts and the Motley Crue and, you know, and that's how I kind of started getting into it. But when I first heard it, I said, this is freaking awesome. So, you know, when I was living, I was growing up in um, Canarsie, Can Canarsie, Brooklyn. We had a, a, a local record shop on um, Rockway Parkway. This is before my friend's record store, Zero CD Cellar, right? Um, I would take a walk 
like down to Rockway Parkway. And I started, I wanted to find some Iron Maiden stuff. So I found, uh, I think it was Killers, right? The, the Killers was the, was the first album that I actually owned. Uh, and I started playing it and I'm like, am I watching the same band? You know, because you didn't have Wikipedia or, or internet, you know, all you had was like a Cream magazine and uh, Metal Edge and uh, what was the other fucking uh, heavy metal? Circus. Circus and stuff like this. So I didn't know, you know, you know, I didn't know where, what the fuck is this, you know? And I thought this was freaking killer because I actually thought Bruce Dickinson when I was 12 years old was annoying. <laughs> His vocals were fucking annoying. But yeah. then I heard I had made it with a, like a more uh, subtle, I, I say subtle in a sense because it wasn't that operatic and that, ah, you know, and you know, and you know what I'm saying. And, and um, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, like it as much as I like the older stuff. Then I found their first album and I thought, oh God, this is fucking great. But then I started learning as I started learning how to play guitar and learning about music in general, where the differentiates, how the band differentiated. When Bruce Dickinson came into Iron Maiden, that kind of signified, I think, what Steve Harris's mind was for where Maiden should be going and should have been doing not saying being a progressive metal band and i don't think they i don't think they i don't know if they really were thinking of that at the time i think they just wanted to be a a good heavy metal band with some drive you know and uh, steve harris being like when, when you listen to steve harris right you know he's known as probably one of the best bass players or probably the top in the top 10 or top, maybe top five best heavy metal bass players of all time. And, but when you listen to his style, you know, I love him because of the speed and he does it with his fingers, you know, and plays that way. He doesn't follow a basic, there, there really wasn't a rhythm section. It was just straight guitars and fast drumming and, and fast bass fit bass playing following. That's where I say he's, He's very influenced on that punk side because he's a very straight and he's very straight, but the way he plays it and throws the notes in there, you know what I'm saying? Which makes it iconic. He doesn't really write walking bass lines. You know, he doesn't, he, you know, you know, if you think about it now, if you take, like I said, if you're trying to compare him to like, like him or a Getty Lee, totally two different styles of bass playing, you know, or even like a, uh, I'm talking from a finger playing perspective. I mean, one of my favorite bass players of all times is Chris Squire from Yes, and he's a big player. But the, the the riffs that he wrote on a bass was just iconic. But then again, one of the fastest one of the fastest of the era was uh, what's his name uh, from Sabbath, uh, Butler. But but he's had the fat. Well, him and 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 uh, and John Entwistle probably like became my influences to playing the bass when i played the bass with playground really i wasn't following bass players so my my influences were probably jason newstead and gene simmons <laughs> you know you mentioned um only because you talk we're talking about bass i i met a guy once in a park uh drinking in a this might have been 1986 87 uh, a guy named Kenny Shock. He's oh, I know Kenny. 
Yeah. He's, he's now the drummer of Candiria. Candiria. Yeah. We used to, yeah. Your neighborhood, your neighborhood had, right, from Marine Park, we had two bands. Um, my band, before play, this is before Playground, when I was just getting into high school, I formed the band uh, with some friends that I worked with in uh, Key Food and at, on uh, Cross Street from uh, South Shore. Sure. Uh, Central High School and my my uh, a good friend of mine Eric Stein uh, was we we were like inseparable he was good friends with Dave Rabaro and that's how I met, I met that's how I met Dave I met Dave through Eric <clears throat> and Eric was like uh, lived in Canarsie with me um, and uh, we worked together, we went to school together, hung out at Edward R. Murrow, and then we went to, we worked together in Key Food because we became good friends. And we ended up turning around uh, and gravitating towards metal. You know, we were all started with the Kiss and the Motley Crew, but then we wanted to do something different. And then we kind of found WSOU, so on and so forth. So we would sit in there, he was the bass player. We used to sit in his house, and I had my guitar with my overdrive pedal, and we would just play along with bands like Overkill, uh, Anthrax, uh, you know, uh, what is it, Metallica, and that's what we wanted to do. So we wanted to form a band. So I ended up forming a band with a drummer from Marine Park. No, actually, I'm sorry, Old Mill Basin. His name was uh, Peter, Peter DeStefano. And he worked in the Purdue section, and he was a huge classic rock, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, you know, big John Bonham, you know, big, you know, uh, you know, big, uh, you know, Ward fan. And he would call, and then we ended up starting to jam, and then we met some more people from South Shore, and then we ended up forming our our first band. Uh, we were called uh, Demented Retribution. <laughs> demented retribution and we played the south shore battle of the bands eric stein ended up not being fond of my guitar play, our guitar player uh because he was more of into the agnostic front uh misfits uh more of a punk and wanted to change the band to go more of a hardcore style and i wanted to be a, you know i wanted to be the next james hetfield uh you know, that's how we met this other band, local band, that later then became Life of Agony. And uh, their bass player, um, Alan Robert, was our singer at the time. And, uh, we, you know, and then Eric ended up joining this band in Marine Park that were friends with uh, Kenny Shawk, uh, this kid uh, that I went to school with, Glenn Oshner. He was the guitar player. I, I, know, I know who that is, though. Glenn, Glenn, tall guy. Yeah. We worked. To, we went to Edward Almaro together, and yeah, and, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Steve. Steve, I, I forgot what his Steve was the other guitar player, and the the drummer was Tommy. Good friends with with Kenny Shark. Uh, Tom. Oh fuck! What the hell was his name? He lived, I think, directly right across street from the park on thirty East Thirty some on the other side. Where you were, you were like kind of off of where the school was, right? Pretty close to there, yeah. If you go down, what was that, Quentin Road or Fillmore? Uh, 
where you yeah. pass the school and uh, the, the the entrance to the park. I think that's Thirty Second Street. I would like to say. Yeah, right next to the park. Right. Well, he lived there, and that's where they used to jam because we used to play in Ace London Studios all the time, and that's how I met Joe Bravo. And uh, they formed a band called, I think they were originally called Witch's Tit. <laughs> you know that they were bell. huge. <laughs> in, bell, they were hugely influenced by, um, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, Metallica, Iron Maiden. They wanted to take those styles and put it all together and make like more of a progressive East type band. They played a couple of bars. I remember go seeing them at Brooklyn College. There was that bar off that little main street off of Flatbush Avenue that goes to wherever that secondary street going towards Midwood. And there was a bar there. So they played there. They played Edward R. Morrow. Uh, uh, they did Edward R. Morrow Battle of the Bands. And I think they did a South Shore one too. Um, I'm not sure if they did it with my band or if it was another band. But anyway, they just never, you know, they, they never really made it. Uh, Glenn, I don't know. We all lost contact and stuff like that. But uh, no, but that's like I said, that's how it happened. And how the fuck did we get on this topic? But anyway. <laughs> oh, I was, I was mentioning what Kenny Shaw taught me about. Oh, yes, right. Kenny. Yeah, so he Kenny me. was playing. Kenny was playing with his brother before Candiria formed. They were like in a a thrash metal band. I, I don't remember the name of the band. It was another name before, uh, it was another name before before they formed Candiria and they went in this totally new direction, a very obscure, weird, weird sounding stuff, but kind of still following, they were still considered part of what they called the New York hardcore uh, era. You know, like when Biohazard was uh, was coming out. I mean, we were, you know, we were all friends with Biohazard. Shit, I used to, we used to fucking play in Ace London, and we used to order pizza, and freaking uh, what's his uh, name uh, used to come and deliver the pizza because he used to work at Lenny and John's. Uh, Evan, Evan used when he had the long hair, and they were just yeah. Biohazard was just forming, and uh, Evan Seinfeld, right? Evan Seinfeld, yeah. I don't know, did he ever change his name when he was in the band? No, no, I guess he didn't. Uh, yeah, Evan. Evan was there, and then we played at the other studio where um, I think it was on Flatbush Avenue. That maybe Sink the Pink was the Pink. There was one on Utica Avenue, and there was one on Flatbush Avenue. And um, Billy from Biohazard, the guitar player, um, used to. Um, uh, I think he used to he used to run that studio. With some real iconic people in like the hardcore industry, I think uh, Drew Stone was there. Uh, he does his own. Watch it. He does the New York Hardcore Chronicles. It's on YouTube. Great, great interviews that he does with some iconic musicians in in the era from hardcore. He's done uh, uh, some thrash metal guys. I think Frank Bello was on there and stuff like that. And I believe Drew Stone also did the videos for Biohazard. I believe he did. Maybe typo, maybe typo negative too, because Carnival was another big band from Brooklyn and stuff like that. And so yeah, so Kenny, Kenny was like the major Kenny. And speaking of Kenny Sharp, did you know that he also played with Fuel? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, he used to, he played with he played with Fuel. Um, he did very well with him. I think he did very well with himself. And uh, another another local favorite guy, Candaria, uh, right? They're still around. They're still doing their thing. Um, I mean, he's got to be shit. He's got to be my age now, right? And maybe he was a couple of 
<coughs> Kenny was, I think, a couple of years younger than me. And we used to go to Ace London Studios. And he was the he was what we would consider the Dave Lombardo, uh, Dave Lombardo, uh, Lars Ulrich, of, or Charlie Bonatti at the time. This fucking kid can play double bass and a blast beat like no other. You take Joey and you put you you take Joey and Kenny, probably one of the two underrated drummers probably in the industry. Kenny was playing so much. I mean, Candiri, weren't they doing a lot of that um uh, that obscure stuff? They were that's not ska, but they were doing a lot of this off time stuff, and it was really weird, weird shit. And uh, you know, so many great bands came out of Brooklyn, and you know, just starting a, a new style of music you know and it, it's great to, to to know some of these people you know like come on carnivore freaking the drummer from carnivore recorded with them and you know agnostic front you know band's been around since shit the guy is probably like 60 years old freaking uh uh what's his name uh Vinny stigma staple in the industry still lives in the city right still plays with his band <laughs> still playing these shows and they're touring and the place is going apeshit listening to these old songs man from from the victims in pain album and you know it's just fucking sick man fucking and they're sick. enjoying themselves having a good time but that's what i'm saying yeah. he's going out having a good time these people are going out having a great time i really wished at the time because when I really wanted to start playing again, I started really listening to uh, listening to their music, like Agnostic Front, getting into like, because I was more of, a, like I said, I liked their older stuff, but then I started listening to a lot of the newer stuff. I wanted to audition for them, you know, when they were still playing. Uh, not still playing, they're still playing. But I, said, I would have loved to audition with them. And they got this uh, guy now, freaking fantastic fucking musician, great bass player, uh, what's his name, uh, Gallup. And... Uh, fucking he's you know he's got it's you know what he fits in the band <laughs> he fits in a lot better than i do so you know it's uh you know it's freaking freaking great man there's so much stuff that's local right in front of you you know you don't have to be in la and california to do that all right so we probably got everybody bored out of their fucking mind <laughs> why don't we pick out what it was about <laughs> We still got we still got three more to do. <laughs> uh, it's funny. One of the people that I was reaching out um, just got back to me now. Uh, Bacardi. Uh, he, uh, obviously, it's too late, but uh, I can throw his numbers in there if you want. Yeah, we can throw it in. Why not? All right, uh, Bacardi number five, trashed. Okay. Yeah. See, you know what? That was another one that I was was gonna pick, but okay. So let's go and just give me his number four. Yep. Bacardi we'll number four. Mob rules. Oh, you motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> oh you motherfucker. <laughs> All right, I got it. I got it. I got another. I got another one I could pick. It's okay. Nah, you could. You could. We could do that. Doesn't mean Mob Mob rules probably was was going to be my next one, but uh, no, I have another. I have another one. I okay. I, 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 I like to try to mix it up. Come on. Okay. Non Aussie era, we're going to duplicate. Come on, for Christ's sake. Can't do that. Not, not happen. You're a real Snyder. <laughs> Can't do that. Uh, Go ahead. What are we up? So you're going to do number three. Okay. All right. My number three. Now I'm going to the Dehumanizer album. Motherfucker, don't do it. Uh, I, the song Computer God. Mother. <laughs> Whoops. Uh oh. <laughs> Fuck. 
All right, we may have to have some duplicates. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see what I got here. Uh, all right. All right, then I may have to go back to one we might have been discussing then. <laughs> all right, fine. You want to pick computer guard? Fucking take it. That that's that 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 is such a fucking killer song. That is it's epic. epic. It's an epic. Oh my god. That whole album is freaking epic. But that song is that song's three songs in one. I mean, oh. that's incredible. Oh. Huh. Actually, my next three picks are actually from the same album. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't gotten that far yet. No, Dehuman, Dehuman, what did that come out? 88? Uh, uh, 92. No, 92. Okay, all right. So it was towards the end of the, okay. That album is just freaking killer. There's so many freaking great songs you could have picked from it. Uh, yeah, Computer God was would have been mine too. <laughs> but I'm going to go with what I have. I'm going to go with what I have here. And if I have to go back uh, and, and, and do that, I will. But, okay. My number three, In For The Kill, off a of seventh star. Oof, I don't, I don't got nothing off of that stuff, that one. <laughs> I'll tell you, all right, Glenn Hughes is fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. His voice is amazing. Um, That album had so many great musicians on it. You had Joey, Eric Singer, uh, and he had Dave Spitz, Danny's brother. Oh, wow. Yeah, those were the two that I that I that I picked off of uh, that I that I remembered from the album. It was kind of a it was kind of a, a it was kind of like a comeback, I think, because at that time, and I think that album, maybe maybe that one came out in 88, because the album had a picture of just him on it, um, saying Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi. Never understood, I never understood the background behind that. There's a guy I follow on YouTube uh, called uh, Ralph Vieira, uh, and uh, he is a huge, huge Black Sabbath fan. I'm sure he probably would have had an answer for it. <laughs> but Look, I believe I do know why um, that happened. If, is, is that the album right after Born Again? Uh, I believe so. Is it? No. No, is it? No. Well, let's know. Uh, Ian Gillen only did the one album? Yeah. Okay, then, it, yeah, then, it, yes, then it, then it has to, then I think it has to be. I could be wrong. If Snyder was on here, he probably would have told us. Oh, no, he, he wouldn't know about anything, not, not Ozzy. I oh, never, no. like I said, I never followed it in a sense of what, you know, the albums in there. You know, I knew Dio was next, and I knew Ian Gillen was next, and I know you have Glenn, you got, uh, you, you had Hughes and stuff like that, but uh, that was, I thought there was some really good stuff on it. I just think the promotional part of the album, it wasn't sellable because the cover sucked. If the album, you know, you, you got to look at it from a marketing perspective. It, it, it looks, it, all right, it's him on the cover. Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi. Okay, was it somebody else's band? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Isn't he, isn't he Black Sabbath? <laughs> I, I'm not arguing that. I do know the story. He wanted to call it Tony Iommi. He wanted it to be a solo album. And okay. the record company at the last second said, no, Black Sabbath has to be on the cover. Well, yeah, I mean, there's two different, there's, I guess there's two different ways you can look at it. One, he was probably, maybe Black Sabbath was still on the contract uh, to fulfill their album uh, deal. Um, or he felt that he, maybe he couldn't, maybe he felt that it wouldn't have sold under just his name. 
or the record company, if anything, felt that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, like I said, if you're not, if you're not a full, I mean, I guess in rock music, if you're a music fan, you know who's in the band, you know who's, you know what I'm saying? If you got to say Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi, that really, <laughs> that's like saying Led Zeppelin featuring Jimmy Page. But none of the original guys from were except Tony. Well, there was nobody on it. It was a solo effort. So I, I guess, I mean, if anybody here, you know, whoever's whoever's still maybe watching this, maybe comment and and, and figure out. I may I if that's the case, maybe they were probably still still under a contract uh, uh, contract deal uh, to fulfill their uh, their deal with the record company. I could probably go on Wikipedia and do it, but we're just making this into a four-hour fucking thing but uh <laughs> but uh no i think uh no that, that's probably what what ended up happening you could you, you're checking it aren't you <laughs> no no I, i'm getting bacardi is number three already oh okay um whatchamacallit uh bacardi is number three sign of the southern cross that's off of uh what do you call it right sign of the what is it southern cross yeah mob rules mob rules Matter of fact, his top five is very mob rules heavy, but I'm you know sure. what? You know, I gotta actually think. You know, you think to yourself, right? So, mob right? Didn't mob rules come out directly right after? Wasn't that the that was the first out? See, that goes back to what we were saying before. <clears throat> Heaven mob, and Hell was first though. Mob rules is is a killer album. Mob rules is <laughs> pardon me. <clears throat> mob rules is a killer album it it can probably be one of the one of the top five black sabbath albums sorry tommy but <laughs> no you know but i'm talking about it from a music perspective T take out the ozzy osbourne on it the music on it is just again you can make a type five right out of mob rules so i mean a lot of people and then a lot of people i would say right Ern, right i guess after maybe people didn't like it say you know what Black Sabbath is nothing without Ozzy. I tried it with Mob Rules, you know, but freaking, what about the Live Evil album? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's probably one of the most iconic heavy metal live albums next to Unleashed in the East. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. And, and Kiss Alive. I mean, shit. <laughs> come on. Kiss Alive, Kiss Alive is not a live album. No, no, but you know what I'm saying. But when, you, yeah. when, you, when you're looking at it from, when, when you're looking at it from a perspective, when you look at it from a perspective, I mean, yes, there are, there's always going to be some studio work in this. I know we, we talked about this before um, when we were doing top studio albums or something like that. We didn't want to pick uh, live albums. I don't remember what, what top five that was, but um, there, you know, what, what's great about the live sound because it, it's, it's more raw it has more of a, of a heavy punch to it because sometimes I always thought like when I listen to Kiss Alive, it's got the raw punch and the tones that you really would expect Kiss to have. But if you listen to those same songs, all right, can you listen to, look, one of my least favorite songs by Kiss is Rock and Roll All Night. Why? Because it's so played out. You know what I'm saying? So is it a great song of the time or having an anthem? Yes, it was a great song. I'm not, you're never going to take that away. But when you listen to it, when you listen to it from a live one, and then you listen to it from, from, the, from the studio album, it does not sound any way remotely close. It has no, it has no like, you know, strutter. And, you know, you take some of the stuff. Take a live too. I mean, everybody would say. I would say probably if you're if you're a diehard Kiss fan, what would people pick as their top 
Kiss album of all time, right? They would probably pick, I would say Destroyer or Rock and Roll Over. Rock and Roll Over. I mean, I like their, I like their old stuff, their, their, their pre-Alive albums. But when you listen to Alive 2, same thing. Listen to, listen to Detroit Rock City start compared to listening to it on going from then listening to it fade in on Destroyer. But you get that's pretty much it depends on how you like you like 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 um what did Bob Rock say? Bob Rock turned around and said to Metallica, I you know, I'm sorry everybody that I keep bringing them up, but Bob Rock said that we need to put together an album that brings out your life sound because you have not put that on an album yet. Not talking about a live album, taking your energy, your raw energy and power and putting it on a studio album. And unfortunately, probably back then, you didn't have the technology that you have now to do something like that. So how did you get that raw energy? I mean, it's the same thing with Peter Frampton Comes Alive, right? Peter Frampton. I listened to Peter Frampton. And what's the album that I, that I always go back to? Frampton Comes Alive, because it, you can't listen to these songs on the studio version. It's not the same song. And, it, and it's the same thing. I could have turned around and picked everything from Live Evil because that album sounds, for that era, sounds raw and heavy and, and, and really, and again, all live albums, I could be, maybe I'm wrong with this, but all live albums is going to have some studio work in there. It's not going to be straight live. You want live? Go in there with a free, go back like we all did back in the day with a little tape recorder, if you remember, with the little micro fucking things and, and try and try to record and try to record an album. I go to shows now with the iPhone and I just like, uh, uh, what was it? When we would text them back and forth, I went to go see Michael Jackson's play. Let me tell you something phenomenal. Go see it. Take your wife, take your kids. It's fantastic. It is unbelievable. I videoed one spot when uh, I went live on when he was doing a Billie Jean. The sound quality that comes off the fucking phone. I have old cassettes somewhere buried in, my, in the back of my basement of tape trading days. The quality sounds like shit. It sounds terrible. That was the other way that you were able to get music from these bands. But live albums brought out the power, the raw energy, from 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 those bands and um uh what was the name wait a minute hold on a second it was the same thing with ozzy i love speaking of devil because it it yes it's not tony iomi it's not black sabbath but the song listening to black sabbath with ozzy with that power and that raw power and it goes the same thing when i listen to blizzard of oz or diary of a madman i Believe it or not, I go back to that live album that they put out with Randy Rhodes. Tribute. The tribute is fantastic because listening to those songs with him, it kind of brings out that different raw sound that when you listen to on the studio albums, eh, you know, I mean, where when Jake, when Jakey e. Lee got into Ozzy, I kind of started hearing that live guitar sound with Jake. And I maybe that wasn't that back in the seventies or his quiet riot years and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> he just took Ozzy and just made it a new level. I mean, you know, yeah. Is he an iconic singer? Yes. Is he a top influential singer? 
in my mind, in my opinion, I always said no. You know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the Robert Plant or the David Lee Roth or the, uh, I'd say Paul Stanley. I mean, but Paul Stanley never really showed his true vocals until the 80s. What he can really, what he can really do. And, you know, I mean, his vocals were great back in the 70s, but his true vocals were back in the 80s. And then uh, Aerosmith, Steven Tyler was another big one. I mean, um, Rob Halford. Hmm, I never really thought of Ozzy as the icon. Ozzy was part of, when you think of Ozzy, you think of Black Sabbath, you think of War Pigs, you think of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Paranoid. And all those type of stuff. But don't get me wrong. There were songs that he sang that his vocals were just amazing. Where I actually may have compared him to Robert Plant and somebody almost threw a shoe at me. But no, but you don't have to be that. You, look, you don't have to have that kind of that kind of talent to have talent. Perfect example. Tommy Snyder. No talent whatsoever. No kidding. <laughs> oh, he's not even here to protect himself, dude. Oh, but you but you follow what I'm saying is is that yeah Tommy Tommy you know Tommy's influences right from from the playground I was look he's a big Sabbath fan loyal Sabbath fan and an Ozzy fan so how can I not think that Ozzy was not a big part of his progression in wanting to become a singer you know he's got a little bit of a deeper voice so he doesn't have that high apparatus that he can pull off he does it he does it false when he did the falsetto and tried to pull that off. Paul Stanley was the same way, falsetto. Um, you know, we're not looking for a virtuoso singer. You got to have a singer that fits the music. And Ozzy's voice fits the music. He fit it for Sabbath perfectly, perfectly. And, and, he, and he did it for his own solo career. But it's almost like listening to Black Sabbath on steroids because... Randy Rhodes was this iconic guitar player that nobody knew about unless you followed the underground scene, which, how did you do it back in the 70s? It was all tape trading. So people would follow, you know, this guy in California. Hey, check out this band Quiet Riot. Listen to this guitar player. He, you know, how do you think, how do you think Sharon found out about it? You go down and you go see a local act play i don't know how i mean i i knew quiet riot from i don't know metal health i mean i didn't know them from their pre did i don't remember if they put out any albums uh with randy rhodes i think was there a quiet and, riot one yeah and and two but you could you would have to live in japan to get them so so basically it was a band that was trying to make it couldn't get it so they get a japanese record deal right and, yeah. and look how look what we missed before we got to oz you know what I'm saying? So now they took this underground guy out of nowhere and gave this guy, what was, what was that movie? Rockstar? Yeah. <laughs> you gave an underground guy, a nobody, a shot at the title. Rocky. <laughs> you gave him a shot at the title. And let me tell you something. I'll be honest with you. I don't think he would have gone past those two albums. Yeah. He would have been too good for them. That he would have went out on his own, I think. I think he would have went out on his own after that and did a solo career because he was that good. Well, he's still around. Um, he's still recording out. I forget what group, but he's still he's still around. That guy, Ripper Owens. Who? The guy. Randy ever... Rhodes. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Randy Rhodes. So oh. I'm, I'm saying I, I, I'm saying Randy Rhodes. 
I would th- I would probably think that after those two albums, he, he might have eventually would have went on and went on his own and did something different because yeah, he was the type of musician that one I think wanted to play. Who was our guitar teacher? Kenny Lee, right? Kenny Lee, uh, another Brooklyn guy that taught me and taught Steve. I'm not sure if he taught Brendan, but I know he worked with me and Steve. Um, you know, he wanted to go out and do something different. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, Ozzy's, Ozzy's going to want to grow, but Ozzy's going to stay where, he's, where, where his comfort zone is. You know, and when we were talking about the Ozzy albums and stuff like that, Bark at the Moon, killer, killer album. And he wrote some great stuff with Jake. Right. I also said during our text things, right? I'm not a huge Zach fan because I don't, I guess when No Rest for the Wicked came out, right? I really liked what his style brought to Ozzy. But then it became, everything started to sound the same. Um, No More Tears, I thought in my mind, my own personal opinion was probably the last decent solo album he did on the Zach to me in the Zach era, because it was all the same crap. He did the same. I thought it was kind of similar. His tone never changed, because that is what Zach is known for, that heavy, gurgle sound and those artificial harmonics, and which Jake kind of started that. <laughs> and <clears throat> on Bark at the Moon and The Ultimate Sin, and I thought The Ultimate Sin was such a great album and a, a very well- written commercial hard good hard rock out i thought ultimate sin was an awesome freaking album especially coming off off of uh, bark at the moon um but you know what they, they shot themselves in the foot by bringing metallica on tour thank you that you did because you couldn't top you couldn't top these kids that were coming in here doing something new and different so he had to do something new and different to make something a little bit heavier and, you know, he brought in, he started bringing it. What, what did he play with? Did he had, he had uh, on Bark at the Moon, was that, was that Rudy Sar? Who was playing bass for him at the time? Oh, no, Rudy Sarza was with them on uh, the, uh, wasn't Rudy Sarza, Rudy Sarza was with them during the uh, Randy Rhodes era, right? They both came from, uh, from Quiet Riot. Boy, yeah. talk about, boy, talking about ripping apart a band. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Rudy ended up going back to Quiet Riot and they put out, Metal Health, which I thought was a great album, um, but it wasn't. It was they were they were good, but yeah, I I I I took them or left them. You know what I'm saying? I don't think they had like the, uh, uh, you know, when it, from that iconic sound. I always I always thought maybe Twisted Sister over Queensrÿche, even though it's like kind of two different style bands, and you had Black and Blue, and what was that other one? Ron Keel uh, from yeah. Keel. Um, you know, that was another band that, that, that supposedly uh, Gene Simmons is trying to take credit for. <laughs> well, if it wasn't for me, there'd be no Van Halen. Trust me, somebody would have found them, Gene. Sorry, buddy. All right. You did not. You did not create that. <laughs> All right. You know where it started from. So stop it. <laughs> so anyway. All right, so what do we got here? All right, so sign of all right, so we said sign of the cross is number three for Bacardi, and that was Bacardi, right? Okay. Yeah. And then what's your number three? On um, my number three, uh, Computer God. Oh no, oh okay, you picked Computer God. Okay, I'm sorry, maybe because I'm just writing my own. All right, and I picked in for the kill, right? 
That's what yep. I said. Okay, in for the kill. All right, so what's his number? Uh, what's Bacardi's number uh, four? Oh, number four, uh, Mob Rules. Didn't he pick that one already? He picked that one after trash. Yeah, well, you said number four. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want number two? Yeah, one is number two. I'm sorry, number two. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll start with Bacardi. Bacardi is number two, is a song whose title has only one letter in it. Oh, I. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great song, too, and I was going to pick it, but I figured someone was going to pick that one. That's why I try to be a little bit more obscure with that. Again, that is just a killer freaking song. <laughs> it actually has even like a, in the chorus, it actually has like a bit of a background background vocal as well. And oh, Black yeah. Sabbath never does that. It never does background but see, vocal. But see, that's what I'm saying is that now Black Sabbath takes things to another level and you learn something new. Oh shit, Black Sabbath never done that before. <laughs> but that's freaking great. There's so much good stuff on Dehumanizer. There, there is, but I only picked one from that uh, from that album um, because I was trying to mix it up a little bit. So let's see, Ernie, what's your number two? My number two, I'm going to go to the album Heaven and Hell and the song Children of the Sea. I hate you again. Damn it. Oh, you can't possibly have Children of the Sea, really? I wanted something obscure. I wanted to pick something. What's all right? Heaven and Hell. What's the what's the song? What's the first song that you would have picked? Oh well, I mean, Heaven and Hell is the song that everybody loves. That's what I'm saying. So I wanted to do something a little bit more of a deep cut. So I was going through the because I started putting in. I started putting in uh, Heaven and Hell, and I what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? And I said, you know what? I wanted something a little bit more obscure because I was like, oh yeah, you picked that one. Everybody knows that one. It's like it's like picking Holy Diver by Dio. No, you know, no. Hey, I did the same thing as you. It seems like. Yeah. No, well, I no. You want to, you know, I, 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 you know, look, hey, look. I would love to do a top five Metallica songs, and I would pick. You know, everybody would think. You know, everybody's going to pick Enter Sandman, Master of Puppets, and you know, no, go for the deep cuts because there's some really good stuff out there that people haven't heard of, and it's the same thing with Black Sabbath. So if again. If you just listen to Black Sabbath because of Ozzy Osbourne, you are missing out on a lot of good music. So, so I'm going to. That's why we did this podcast for the people. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to pick this one for my number two. All right, falling off the edge of the world. Uh oh. <laughs> I think you just killed my number one and Bacardi's number one. <laughs> I'll tell you why I picked this one. Uh, you know, from listening to it now, not listening to it back when when it first came out. Okay, <clears throat> what I, I had to put, I had to put, I had to put some notes into it. Listen to the opening riff of that song, right? So I started, I started, I started, I I I picked why people turn around like we said before. Fan Metallica fans hate Loeb. That song is a heavier version of Bleeding Me. Play it faster, play it heavier. It's Sabbath. So again, there was a similarity to the riff. And me being a big Metallica fan, I had to pick this song because Metallica. I believe stole that riff from Black Sabbath. 
Because Metallica is known to plagiarize on a lot of shit when it comes to their riffs. So did Led Zeppelin too, by the way. But um, and their biggest song of all time was plagiarized. Staring to heaven. <laughs> Not to mention the whole first album, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't half of that album freaking covers. Yeah. Which, and that's actually one of my favorite Led Zeppelin albums because of the, it was raw. I love the sound, the production. I bought it on, um, I bought the remastered vinyl, the 180 gram, and it just sounds, let me tell you something. Those 180 gram vinyls sound better than the CDs. Ah. And digital and digital, you really don't get. Yeah, I, to me, to, to me, digital is compressed. They tell you it's full high def bullshit. You know where it's high def because everybody's playing their shit through their through their freaking home theater systems, and that's the only way you could hear it properly. It's bullshit. Pure stereo is where you want to go. Okay, you don't want no EQ. If you gotta buy, if you gotta buy an equalizer for your stereo, then you have a shit stereo. Okay, because it kills the pure sound of the music. So, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to fuck you guys with this one, but I had to pick it because, again, <laughs> listen to any anybody that hates Metallica Load, listen to that album, and you'll turn around and have a different understanding. Take away their makeup and their short hair and looking like a bunch of freaking, you know, ha- you know, Half of God knows what, you know, listen to it for the music. Don't don't worry about what you expect from them and what you want them to look like. The changing of their logo, somebody freaking jerking off to an album cover, whatever. Who cares? Yep. Listen to it for the music. And that's why I picked this was actually my number one. However, <laughs> since everybody was going into this mob rules thing and, <laughs> and I was another one of my. Uh, one of the my my mentions, um, I what do you call it? I wanted to pick this one, so that is going to be my number two. So what does Bacardi have for number one? Is it falling off, or did he, or did you get him to pick another one? No, we're, we're not. He doesn't even know I'm doing this. That I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm reading off his chart, his um list. Um, so I can't change it. Um, his number one. Um, well, let's go over his five again. Like okay, the, so like Mr. Casado would. Okay, so let's see. I have, what did I put down? I wrote, I was writing them down too. So his number five was Trashed. His number four was Mob Rules. Uh-huh. His number three was Sign of the Southern Cross. Number two was I. And his number one is? Falling off the edge of the world. You know, I, I still think, I think that's probably, I think that is probably the best song off that album. Uh, hands down. You're about to find out. I think it's the best song not 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 Ozzy error yeah that there is <laughs> well then you know what then that can actually be then you can actually go into then we could probably say because that's the only one that we all pretty much came up with as a, as a favorite or a top five and probably say that this is probably the best song Black Sabbath has ever collaborated without Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> yep so let's so go through your number two I didn't write yours down so all you right. Uh, my number five was "Keep It Warm." Mm-hmm. Not sure what it's about, but no, anyway. Like great, great <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm being sarcastic. I I know it's inappropriate. <laughs> number four, <laughs> "Follow the Tears," which would have been a great beginning song on that album. Yeah, because it's the first deal with Sabbath album in 15 years, and the chorus is 
um, would follow the tears. If you're wondering where I've been all these years, it yeah. would have been follow the tears. <laughs> would have been a great intro because where was he the last 15 years? <laughs> no, I yeah, yeah, got you got a point there, man. Number three, Computer God, the first song of a dehumanizer. That's the one you killed me on. Number two, Children of the Sea. Nothing to do with tuna fish. That was another one. That, see, that would have been another one we would have we would have had the same of. Number one. Yep. The official song for um, Flat Earthers. <laughs> Falling <laughs> off the edge of the world. <laughs> All right. So that's your number one. And then I'll do my, again, I mean, like I said, I still think that's probably one of the best songs that I think that might have. Like you said, anything, any song they've written together uh, uh, post Ozzy, I would have to say that would probably be the, the best one. Again, that would have been my number one too, but I figured let me go back because you guys were going, you were going too much into the mob rules and I didn't want to have a duplicate. So I figured I'd ruin it on you. I might as well. I mean, what the hell? Uh, yeah. I know it's not my number one. Again, these weren't done in any particular order. Uh, so my number five I picked was um, um, number five was zero. The hero, just a freaking killer freaking song. I know it's commercialized, but it was a, it's a great song. Number four, neon nights. Uh, number three in for the kill. Uh, number two, falling off the edge of the world, and my number one, even though it's really not my number one, but I had to make it as a number one as this one, believe it or not, turn to stone off of seven star. Oh, wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> well, again, you know, like I said, we wanted to pick, I wanted to pick something that you know people would turn around, you know, like I said, if you don't really listen to those albums and if you're all familiarized familiarized with them, you're going to pick out the ones that people traditionally know or the one that's most commercial. And I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to do something that was a little bit, a little bit different. A lot of people tried when you first when you first listen to an album to any band that you're trying to get into. That first track has got to be the track. And if it's not, then you understand why. Then people will, then the, then you, you've, you've, you got to set the stage of what you're going to be listening to. And it was almost like when you list, like I said, when we were talking about Ozzy, when I was talking about um, No More Tears, uh, what's the opening track? Uh, Mr. Tinker Train, right? All right. You start off with a little bit of a little weird, a little sound, little, a little sound effects, you know, sound like you're in a carnival and this and that. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, 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 it has like that drive sound. No, actually, I picked the wrong song. I picked, I was singing Desire. Uh, it was like, you know, and stuff. And it's just a driving driving beat so now you kind of get an understanding of where the album is going to go after that and when you looked at what's what's the opening track on uh opening track on uh what do you call it right uh born again right isn't it that's uh crashed crashed it it kind of put it kind of puts an inside of uh of where the album is going to go you know what i'm saying so and the only reason why i picked the most commercial song off that one because i i think Outside of probably falling off the edge of the world, Zero the Hero or probably maybe Digital Bitch may, may be my favorite all-time non-Aussie non songs. But yeah, I wanted, like I said, I wanted to try and touch base on, I didn't want to just 
do DL because that a lot of people that's to me is too easy. I wanted to go back to some of those albums that we've never really listened to in a long time. Dehuman, you know, Dehumanizer is a fantastic heavy metal album. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it, whether you do it on Amazon Music, Spotify, buy the album if you can still find it. Um, it's something I, I think it's a fantastic album. The Seven Star album, I after having our conversation this morning, I went back and I just went through the album because I haven't listened to it in a long time. And there were a lot of great music. There were a lot of great music in there. And uh, yeah, I mean, Mob Rules, again, it's like, all right, new band. You know what I'm saying? It's like Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning. It's like you're going from like the first Black Sabbath. Like if you got to pick your favorite Black Sabbath album of all time, believe it or not, Black Sabbath won. I mean, the first album I thought was, I thought there was magic on the album. It was just something you've never heard before. You know, they progressed and they started writing some different type of songs, added a little more speed, uh, changed their sound a little bit, you know, as, as times go on, you know, between like, um, what the hell, Sabotage. What a killer album. That's probably another one of my top albums. It's like, yeah, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, you know, everybody's got that, you know, every everybody likes that already. You know, I want to give something a little bit more and Sabotage would have been, you know, I could have picked. I could have picked that as a top five for Black Sabbath, Ozzy era. But we could try doing that, doing the Ozzy era. But it can't be staple songs, and we'll come up with. You know, you can come up with with songs that you can't include. You can't include War Pigs. You can't do Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and what's the? Uh, uh, oh God, so many Paranoid or something like that. I mean, I, yeah, I think the whole, probably, the whole Paranoid album. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, exactly. Well. <laughs> Black Sabbath, the first Black Sabbath album, my, probably my favorite Black Sabbath song of all time is probably the song Black Sabbath. Huh. That is just a great, it's just a great, it's slow, it can be, you know, to people it can be boring, but the way it, oh, it, let me tell you something, if it wasn't for that song, they would never be typo negative. No, the, the, I, I hear that, yeah. The slow, the slow doom doom sound uh it was just you know and then it gets a little quicker you know freaking geezer on the freaking bass he used to play like close to the neck and everything like that with his with his fender jazz bass oh man it's just freaking killer man if i had to choose my number one my number two and number three black sabbath songs they would all be from sabotage the sabotage i think is probably i mean when I got into Black Sabbath, let's see, um, again, latecomer. I mean, I, whatever I heard on the radio, I mean, even the classic rock stations uh, were playing kind of like in the mid to late 70s, like Paranoid and, and, and uh, um, oh shit, Symptom. No, no, the Symptoms in the Universe was kind of more of an obscure. They were kind of getting into a little more, a little speed on there and that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, everybody knew paranoid paranoid was such a freaking iconic song, but, and, 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 and the raw guitar sound that Iomi had, you know, especially with the, the finger injury that he had, you know, from the, 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 where, where was he working in the mill or something like that, where he popped off his fingertip and stuff like that. And I think, was it a couple of fingers or I know he had the, the fingertips on him and that's what gave that Tony Iomi sound with the buzz. And uh, very, very deep sounding, very, uh, very baritone. 
and uh, you know that's where Tommy gets a lot of his you know he Tommy's a baritone he's got it he's got that deeper voice um, and, it, and it's you know it's hard to be like trying to be an alto or something to that effect but this is so much great musicianship there we're where the music's like the, the the music show overall amounts of like 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 uh, virtuosity no no because that's not what music's about music is about like you know how does it make you feel how do you grow to it you know what i'm saying like like joey like like joey like i find joe with his main style of playing and stuff that his influences that i see that he has really gravitate towards more of the stuff he kind of grew up with or you know, maybe the 80s or stuff that he listens to like he loves freaking striper you know i would not pick striper as an influential band to me are they great musicians? Freaking absolutely. Are they, do they write great music? Absolutely, they do. You know, this is Sweet a great drummer and is and the brother the, the a great singer? Freaking absolutely. Are they one of my top bands of all time? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> but again, but you you would think someone I would think someone like Joe. Now Joe is a big like you know Joe's a big Kiss fan you know and you know that's there's your sound. And a lot of the classic bands, he doesn't, he doesn't really like them. He, and it's okay. It's like Sabbath sucks. They don't suck. They just don't write music that really makes you feel like you want to, you know what I mean? You may, it may, you know, you know, you were never into that kind of music. You were more of a commercial. You grew up just like we all were with 80s radio with freaking video killed the radio star and fucking Michael Jackson and Prince and, 80s freestyle disco let's 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 be honest here we're all from brooklyn that's what it was all about you know what i'm saying and you know and we were the outcasts you know wanted to listen to something that was different you know and fucking you know what was the other bands that we had back in the 80s you know that that came out yeah you know that he's a richard Marx. he loves you know he's very much into that kind of but i would think someone that where he gets his style from i know where he get we know where he gets his style from but you would think that he would have listened to some of these other bands you know just to try to he just doesn't have a mind for it he does not i didn't have a mind for it i take that back and then mean to make it sound terrible but it, it just doesn't if it doesn't grab him it's not it's not good <laughs> he's not open-minded there that makes that makes him a better character when it comes to the, to, to these podcasts. Well, that's what I'm saying because he because it's no because it's actually kind of funny because you guys did a top five we did the top five albums right and you know I picked like I picked albums of albums that I grew up with and things that kind of made me want to play you know what made me want to be what I am. It's music is different from a per, from a perspective if you're just a music lover and you just enjoy listening to music what gets you going what crinkles your cream what makes you get what makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up you know what i'm saying so it kind of sucks in a way sometimes being a musician because when you're a musician you're kind of looking for something where you can learn from and i think i you know I, you know there are a lot of bands that are you know a lot of people are like well i like you know like, like people like like people today, like, oh, I think, I think Nirvana is great. I you know, see people liking Nirvana is me saying, like Joey's saying, Black Sabbath sucks. I think they suck. 
I think they brought nothing to music. That's just my own personal opinion. You know, I don't think, I, I mean, how do you have bands like Van Halen and, and all these virtual, George Lynch and all these virtuosos, and then you get some guy that looks like he just got out of bed wearing a freaking flannel, right? Plays a guitar that doesn't look like he knows what the freak he's doing and made a fortune on it. It made a fortune on it. But I respect Nirvana, but I think they stink. I think they're terrible. They, I, you know, but do I respect them as musicians? Absolutely, I do. I always respect musicians because, and you know, there might be something that you do that you may learn from them and say, you know, I don't want to tell you this, but I kind of got the idea from Nirvana's Bleach album, you know, and stuff like that. You know, there's so, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, 90s from, from a person like from people like us brought up in the 80s, we hated the 90s because we felt it destroyed our career. It did because we only knew what we knew at the time. We didn't know how to write grunge songs. If I remember correctly, we were in the studio. I wasn't sure if you were there, Ern. We played together for the first time and probably, let's see, Joey was with, Joey left play, when, Joe, when, when Playground broke up, he went to Exposed, Exposed. I guess maybe when he went to a band called, um, I guess, no, no, I guess it might've been Exposed. I think Dogfish, wasn't that at the Exposed members, if I remember correctly? Was that, that right? Was that it before, and it was before Valentine Smith. Um, um, we went in the studio and Steve, I may have it somewhere. We went into a studio off of McDonald Avenue in Brooklyn. I was already living I believe, I think I was already living in, in Staten Island, maybe already, or maybe not, but I might have still been in Brooklyn. But anyway, we went in there just to go in and jam. And we wrote at, we wrote a tune. I don't remember if, um, if Steve was tuned down to D on it, or it was just this really drone riff uh, that was extremely heavy, something that you wouldn't expect from Playground. See, that's what I'm saying. Playground was always known to be a fun band. And that's what Playground should continue to do if it decided to play again. I'm a little whore? Maybe that, okay, yeah. Maybe, I, something, to that, something to that effect. And the song was really, I, the music I liked, but it wasn't Playground. You know, if you want to do this, I don't have a problem doing it, but let's just shit can the Playground and move on to something new. Because not that anybody would really give a crap because nobody really knew who we were except for, you know, from the area that we're from and all the friends and everything like that. I mean, we made our name for ourselves, but, you know, that's almost like when Warrant started getting heavier and, and Skid Row was getting heavier, you know, trying to be rele relevant in, in the industry. I mean, sometimes, you know, <clears throat> it wasn't Tommy's style. Tommy, you know, Tommy, is, you know, he's got that, he's very musical. He's very, uh, uh, not, not, what's the word I'm looking for? He's got, he's very rhythmic with when his vocal style. And this kind this was kind of like, do I believe in a musician should get out of their comfort zone and do something different? Absolutely. But this, this, this wasn't, I, I, I felt Tommy, when we, when we were playing the tune, he didn't really, he was trying to take what, he what he's done with that with that what, what he's done in the past and try to make it a different style and i was like and, and look what ended up happening we never played again 
We oh. never played together again after that. And then everybody, everybody moved on, you know, who, you know, who's doing what? And uh, no, actually, no shit. No, this had to have been like in the late nineties or maybe the early two thousands. No, I think because I didn't have my hair anymore. Cause I remember it. I think I might've, I might've cut my hair at the time. I don't think I, I, I even, I cut my hair off in 1995 um, when I was playing with, with my band, uh, powerhouse out here and we were like this close to getting a record contract but the marketing team came and says we can't sign you guys because we're not we, we we don't we can't we have no market for this music you know so you guys are great you know we we want to sign you but we can't so we ended up doing something different and i think that might have been because i remember there was a time that we just got together out of nowhere because i kind of moved on right i moved to staten island i got married i moved to staten island um Joey was still technically in the city at the time, um, but he, you guys were all still hanging out together and stuff like that. I was kind of gone out of the scene because I started it. I was in another scene out there. So I was around that instead of getting back. That's what I was, one of the things that I hated, I wanted to do about on the playground, the reunion thing that we did. I kind of missed that. I wasn't around for a lot of the stuff of the growing of like like joey joey was an exposed i didn't really i kind of lost touch with them for a little while um you know we didn't have cell phones we weren't texting you know what i'm saying it yeah. was all you know so i didn't i missed out on him playing with exposed i missed out on dogfish um he did send me like demos and stuff like that i did get demos from him um valentine smith was different um music was pretty cool just didn't see Joey and I didn't see Joey in that band that I didn't, that, you know, the, the, the style that he plays and the way he plays. Um, I didn't feel that was a good fit for him, you know, just from a, from a friendship perspective, because he's a rock and roll guy, man. And this guy likes to play, you know what I'm saying? And I felt he's just, look, I know you want to make it in the business, but dude, really, <laughs> it was weird. It was really weird. And I love weird music. I listen to Oasis. You know, remember that, you know, that, that band I always thought was different. I just hate that they try to compare themselves to the Beatles. That just throws me the fuck off. But no, nah, but if you think about it, there's so much, there, there was so much that I've missed. I mean, Tommy moved. I mean, I knew Tommy was going to Pennsylvania. I, I missed, I missed the, you know, him getting married. I missed the kids. So nobody was, I was not a part of any of that, you know, uh, the same thing with like Steve. Steve got married, had kids, did you know, doing his thing. I, I missed all that because every everybody moves on and does something different. So I was kind of great to see the um, see. You know, I started reaching out to Joey again because he's been you know with the internet and trying to push ZO2 and the Z Rock and all that other stuff. I kind of got back into it again, and it kind of like kind of brings back some of the old days, man. And I kind of miss it, you know, and, and doing some of these top fives with, uh, with them is great. I would love just to get on a YouTube, just to freaking hang out, have a couple of drinks and just talk. You want to record it? Fine. I don't give a shit. Let's just freaking have some fun and, and do this a little more often because I mean, I know, you know, you got Joey in Jersey, you got Tommy in Pennsylvania, you got Brendan in fucking somewhere in Virginia and you're in, I don't know, where are you now? You still in Brooklyn? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then you got, know you got freaking you got steve in queens and stuff you know i'm in staten island i mean we can all get together i mean i like i said if he wants to i said it over the winter we haven't done anything yet i know joey's busy doing you know he's doing his uh you know whatever his, his book or his top five he's on tour with uh <coughs> playing with eric martin 
but I did say, hey, look, you want to make something fun? You want to make you want to make this playground thing iconic? Put us on the Jericho cruise and let's play on the wow. <laughs> Genius. Definitely. Why not? You know what it is? Joey, you know, Joey did a lot of, you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for even with his interviews, and Joey used to talk a lot about his um his back days, you know, how he became what he was. Yeah, I people know Joey for ZO2, people know Joey for Z Rock, you know, and, and the comet, but they never knew about the playground things. And if it wasn't for Joe, Joe, this we wouldn't even be here talking again you know, doing this and kind of maybe bringing, bringing back something. Look, are we looking to do something out of this? No. Hey, look, if it would happen, why not? I would have some fun with it, but I'm looking at it just to get together with everybody and play again. It'd be fun because everybody's different. And I'm actually curious what we would sound like. We did that reunion at one time in Staten Island. Were you there? Yeah, you were there. You were there when we played in the studio, we played in the studio for four hours. It was you and, uh, 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 the was there. I might not have been there actually. Oh no, maybe you weren't there. Yeah, the uh, uh, was there, and I, there was somebody else that was there. The funny thing is, it was great playing, right? But a lot of the fire that we had back in the day, we kind of lost it a little bit because the funny thing is, is that we all grew up and we're all doing something different. Steve started doing this, this acoustic thing, the uh, kind of the ch children's music and the sing-along type thing, which some of the stuff that he's got is freaking fantastic, really fantastic. And I love everything that he's, uh, that, that I've seen on YouTube and on Facebook and stuff like that. But he lost the could have been you drive. You know what I mean? And the songs were so slow and i'm like guys i know we're i know we're getting older but <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> i mean steve i mean back in the studio when we played in rockaway you know we were always competing with each other of how loud we were or how low we were and i had to turn down <laughs> i had to turn down because i was so and it was just me steve and and me steve joey and tommy and we start playing the first song and it was so freaking slow. And I was like, I said to Steve, and I, you know, I, look, we haven't played with each other in like 20 something, 20 something years. And I'm like, Steve, did you forget to turn the distortion on? <laughs> what happened? I mean, he started playing his guitar high and stuff. And I'm like, what happened to everybody? Where's the rock and roll, you know? And then you got then you got Tommy coming in. Tommy still sounded great, you know. Tommy still had, you know, he still had his chops. Joey never lost anything because Joey's been never stopped since playground. You know, he's been going nonstop ever since. You know, I didn't play for a long time, so I had to go back and you know when they were talking about doing like, all right, let's pick these songs. I said, Joe, the easiest songs for me to pick right now and learn them and and try to get my chops back. Take the five songs from the Lamar show and let's just play those five and see how we do. If we can get through these five, then we'll start picking the other, the other more obscure songs we had. Like, uh, was it uh, uh, Heaven in Your Eyes? We had uh, Shadows. Um, what was the other one that we played? It was a little bit more, it was like a little bit more uh, shit. 
a little bit more of a progressive. There was some change. Uh, childhood's End. What was it? Childhood's End. Childhood's End. There was a lot of different uh, time signature changes in that song. That was probably like one of our harder songs. And I just wanted to go through the ones that had the basic four, five, six chords. Let me just get those down. Let me get the chops back. Let me kind of what I was doing with those is that because I was not a bass player when, when I was playing these songs originally, you know, I was playing bass like a guitar, you know, now that I have a little bit more of a uh, rhythm stand, a standpoint after playing for the last, you know, 20 something years in various bands and playing, you know, along, you know, with, you know, YouTube or something like that, I started to have more of a rhythm section. Uh, and I, started rewriting those bass lines, you know, where I think this is the way that bass should have been back when, when you had that kid, what was the kid that replaced me? Tommy, the little, the short guy? Tommy Carter, maybe. Tommy Carter, right? So yeah. Tommy Carter was a finger player. I was a ba I was a pick player. So when I used to listen, because a lot of the songs that are on the CD that was given to me, you know, Hey, Brian, I created a, you know, a compilation of all our playground songs. I can tell on some of those songs, this wasn't me. This was Tommy playing. So because I know my style and I know his style. And he was very uh, Steve Harridish. You know, he took my running quick lines on the bass and did it with the fingers and stuff like that. And Kim was a great bass player. I never, you know, I never turned around and said, fuckers playing in my band. no. It's a shame. It's a shame that Playground did not continue, did not continue with Tommy because I thought he brought something to the band that was different. I, what I was going back to is like, when I look at it today, we kind of had a chemistry, all of us, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of hard to replace any member in this band. I couldn't play, I couldn't play with Tommy and Steve without Joey. I could not play with, uh, I could not play with, or, or Brendan. And I, I apologize if Brendan's watching this and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm taking him out of, out of it. No, Brendan moved on. We've all lost contact with him for many years. So if we were going to do this, it was always going to be the four of us. And when I first joined Playground, it was the four of us. So that's how I looked at it. Hey, look, if we can get it back and Brendan comes and does this, oh, I'm fucking for it in a heartbeat. Uh, there's nothing I would want more than just having the original band do it. If Brendan can't do it, I wouldn't mind doing it with the four of us. But again, I can't play with Playground without all of us. That's like playing, come on, can you play these fucking songs without Tommy singing them? I mean, I couldn't do that. No, you know what I'm saying? Even if you're playing a song that Brendan might have been the key writer and Brendan can't be there, but Steve was a part of that writing. So I don't have a problem playing those songs in, 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 in his honor, in Brendan's honor, if he couldn't be there. You know what I'm saying? So we all grew up, you know, we, you know, and I, you know, I think it would be fucking awesome to do it. You know, again, <clears throat> you got to get people out of their comfort zone. I made a suggestion over the winter to get us together. Uh, if we can, I know Tommy does not, you know, you know, but Tommy's always out here. Doesn't he work in the city? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, if we can try to figure out a way, I would try to work it out because for Joey, Joey can come in. Um, I can play Brooklyn, Staten Island. I could do it in a studio in Staten Island. It may be a little bit of a pain in the ass for Steve because Steve's got to come in from Queens. I think he's somewhere in Rockaway. So that's a pain in the balls. But you know what? 
we do a weekend. We do a couple of weekends. Let's run, you know, like we, I would love to go through the five songs again. I would say a weekend. Do it now in the winter before the summer kicks in. Because once the spring and summer kicks in, everybody's involved with their shit with their families. I get back into my boating season and I'm not really available to really do it unless if you wanted to put a, you know, like you want to do a show or something like that, or, you know, then that's something different. But for like rehearsals and stuff, get the songs, you know, let's get all the songs together. We got the whole winter to do it. I just don't know what everybody's schedule is and let's just fucking do it, man. And just play and, 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 and have fun because there's not, I mean, I would love to go out and, you know, you know, do like a summer show or, and stuff like that. I mean, like I said, if we never play a show, I don't really care. I wouldn't mind just going to the studio, just playing again and having a couple of friends come to the studio while we rent it for four hours, get one of the biggest rooms and people come in and bring some beers in and, and relive some of the, some of the uh, excitement that, you know, that we did back in, back in the day, because you know what, you can't top that. You can't, you, you know, we're all in our, you know, we're all in our fifties, except for Joey. I don't know. Is Joey like, has, did Joey make 30 yet? I mean, <laughs> Should we do honorable mentions before we forget? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> now that I went on that freaking playground tangent, but that doesn't matter. But anyway, it, can, it gives something Joey to watch, and then he can freaking edit, edit out his, his own I, shit. I absolutely love the Jericho Cruise idea. Well, that's what I said to him. I said, you know what? You know what? You make playground such a focal point in a lot of your, you know, you know his Kiss Nation days and that kind of stuff. And Playground has been a major focal point and, you know, a big part of his career. You know, if it wasn't for Playground, who knows if he would have been where he is now? You know, you know what I'm saying? Playground was part of his progression into making, you know, making it where he is today and taking it to another level. And that's what he did. He tried to do it with Playground. It didn't work. However, it's a learning curve. And you move on. And that's what he did. He tried to do it with Expose. He tried to do it with Dogfish. We all tried. And then he does the Kiss Nation thing, which is a fucking beautiful thing because he's a huge Kiss fan. And the guy's making freaking money playing songs he loves to play. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful life we have. And then that turned into ZO2. And then he ends up opening, goes on tour with Kiss. This lucky fuck. It's magic. Lucky fuck. It was magic. No, it was fucking magic. And you know what? I could not have, I could not have uh, hoped it happened to a better, it couldn't have happened to a better person. He deserved it. He worked it. I'm sucking his dick right now. I don't care. I'm happy. I'm so happy with his accomplishments because he's, he earned it. He deserves everything that he has, uh, you know, between the book, you know, and, and the, 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 the TV show, which I really wish that show would have continued because that show was funny as freaking hell. And, uh, <laughs> Because it's pure, look, anybody that has not watched Z-Rock, watch it. Because the way he acts in it, maybe some of it is is staged, but that is Joey. <laughs> to a T. That exactly, calling people idiots, knuckleheads, you know, uh, give me a break and that kind of stuff. That is pure Joey at his finest. And, that, and that's him in his real life. There's nothing staged there. What you see is him. So it's fucking great. You know how Kiss opened for Blue Oyster Cult and then the very next thing was the other way around? Yeah. You think the same thing would have happened with ZO2 and Kiss? You know, it's a real shame that that I, I don't know what happened to the story. I mean, you know, he never really told me what exactly had transpired with ZO2. 
Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it, you, you, you go into overload and uh, sometimes you just need a break from each other. And uh, um, that's how I, th that's how I think it was perceived to me. It's like, you know, look, you know, we just needed to take a step back. Joey wanted to do a couple of things on his own that maybe he couldn't have done while he was with ZO2. And, uh, and that, you know what, that takes a lot of balls because you know what, I would be in like in the band and, you know, I purposely was learning some of those songs, you know, because I would, you know, love just to jam with him, you know, even in, in, in from playground and start playing some of the, the bass riffs from, uh, from Dave, you know, from, uh, from, from Dave and stuff like that. But you know what, uh, that, that now it's a touchy point, you know, and what happened with, with, you know, with, with Dave and, and stuff like that. And, uh, it sucks. It sucks that, 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 that happened. And, uh, you know, talk about, it's almost, it's like a freak accident. It wasn't like it happened with ZO2. It was something else that he was doing. Look what else he was doing, isn't he? He's also involved in the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, I've dun, 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 dun. I grew up with that freaking album. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this guy is playing with it. God bless him. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't wish, uh, I couldn't wish. I mean, he likes to break my balls, tell me, threaten me never to put me on the show again. Fuck him. I don't care. <laughs> He's yeah, look, I get I look, I understand his personality and I, I get where I get where he's going. I love what he's doing. And, and now look, you're on the show and you know what? You're on the show and he's not now. <laughs> oh no. You know what's you know what you know what's actually impressive about about him, even the rest of their band, um ZO2, they they were humble. Um they never I never really sensed the uh the ego. Um, you know, I've never, you know, and I've seen them once. I think I've seen them once perform and i think it might have been to see all all uh Orleans grocery okay. or maybe it was one time in long island they played joe said i'm going to be here come and hang well now they're going to be doing now they're doing this uh show where is it march 7th something like that the cutting room I mean, I yeah at the, which room is it again the cutting room the cutting room right so i reached out i reached out to joe i said joe i want to come to this you know even if it's you know i know it's a school night you know i got to go to work the next day and that kind of stuff but they said that they're going to go on at eight o'clock i mean you know i like to see the jam you know and stuff like that, but i at least want to come down and you know and see him but i didn't get an opportunity to see him that much uh when they were playing consistently in the city um you know so i i felt like i missed out on it but i want to get an opportunity to see him now and you know at least pay tribute you know to david because kid the kid was the, the kid was taken too soon the, 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 he was a dynamite musician an awesome bass player fantastic singer because the guy could sing um he 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 was like the full the full package you know when it came to uh, like a musician I, that's what i loved about that band just straight forward rock and roll and it was so great and it's a shame that you know Hey, maybe maybe they'll get together again and maybe record an album with Mark Mendoza. I don't know what he's doing. Is Twisted Sisters still playing? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, honorable mentions. Hey, honorable mentions. I I got two. Um, all, all my honorable mentions have been mentioned yeah, except yeah. for two. Um, Lonely is the word. Okay. On the Heaven and Hell album. Okay. And uh, Bible Black, from the uh, Devil You Know album, which has a great. And we haven't even used this term before yet for Sabbath has a great music video, Bible Black. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, the best Black Sabbath video I've ever seen is from Bible Black. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. I only had, I only had two honorable mentions. I didn't want to, again, I wanted to try to, I wanted to hear what you had to say so I can make sure that I didn't want to have the same ones. I still, I didn't want to uh, have any duplicates, but we did talk about them. Both of these are from Born Again and I have Trashed and Digital Bitch. Great stuff. Yeah. I, I, again, you can, you can take you can take these top five. I think what, what I like what I where I like where this was going with it is that the top five makes it that much difficult. That's why I said when you want to do Ozzy, let's do Ozzy. You can't do Randy Rhodes. It's too easy. Yeah, Everybody's no, no, no Randy Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, those two albums are like greatest hits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you take something like this. I mean, you do. I still think Mob Rules as a whole. Hands down, probably one, I would say from, from a band, from, from a record perspective, that's probably the best non-Ozzy, uh, non-Ozzy album. I'd say that one, I would pick that one over Heaven and Hell. I would go the other way. But you would think Heaven and Hell over Marvels? Okay, all right. Yeah, the both's I don't think there's a wrong answer for those. So then if I had to pick, you know, since I already picked my Dio, right, then I would pick obviously born again because i still think that's it's an underrated album you know i i i think everybody that knows uh zero the hero because that's kind of the popular one um however the rest of the album it's a little obscure but it's got some real good metal on it and then i went with the i went with hughes you know so i mean i wanted to have something you know have a little so and then i would go with the um well the uh, dehumanizer is just <sighs> Good stuff. It's just good stuff. But anyway, what time is it? All right, look, we've probably been running about hours. I got to head out, but this is awesome. Hopefully, this thing's saved. <laughs> we can get this thing over to uh, get him over to the man and let him see if he wants to sit through this. If not, the, then, the boys. Can, then we then we can have it. Then we can have it. Uh, we can have it for ourselves. But this was fun. But again, like I said, I love to do this this type of situation again with the band and. Uh, just have some fun, have some conversation. Right. It's been awesome. All right. It probably wasn't as funny because usually, you know, Joey's here and uh, <laughs> Joey's here goofing on everybody and <laughs> making it the show that it is. But uh, this is a good feeling thing. But, you know, let's see if he wants to put it out there. If not, it's for us. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon, man. Go listen to the double, you know. Yes. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.